0: Welcome back to the I Am There podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. Yes. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have Keegan, who is one of the big proprietors of Edison Format. Uh, he hosts Edison Tournaments. He hosted the biggest Edison Tournament since the actual Shonen Jump Championship in 2010 online in January, which got me all enthusiastic about playing Yu-Gi-Oh! again. So literally, this man is pretty much the reason why I am playing Yu-Gi-Oh! again in some way, shape, or form uh, because of that tournament having 144 players, which is actually quite a lot of people to get to play in a format that is 12 years old uh but yeah shout out to to keegan and i don't know do you go buy something else
1: Nah, keegan is fine Ke- mm. keegan is fine
0: and you're you have All a good. youtube channel uh just shout out your youtube and your socials and stuff
1: yeah i'm uh e3 yugioh on youtube and at e3 yugioh on twitter check it out if you're interested in edison format Stuff goes up pretty much daily. So if you have something you're, you're looking to... It. I can attest to that. I can attest to Yeah, it.
0: I follow the page. I follow your YouTube. And I literally, before we recorded this podcast, just watched your newest upload where it was like a volcanic shell, uh, deep sea diva black garden deck. And the thing about Edison that I really loved is that as crazy as that might have just sounded, like all of these decks are viable in some way. Like they can all win. They can all beat all the other decks because all, all the decks are kind of in the same realm of power. There's nothing that's too overpowered. Like every deck has its nut hands and every deck has its bad hands. But for the most part, games last many turns and they all get to do what they set out to do for the most part.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's That's one thing that is really great about Edison format in general. It's diverse, but not in a way that's, I mean, this is kind of a, a deep discussion, but if you guys want, I can I can touch on this. Whatever right you, whatever huh. you want to say. You, want, you, you get say. Getting oh, right man. into it, getting right into it. Oh, we're getting yeah. deep already. We're yeah. getting deep already. Okay. <laughs> so I have this theory, right? It's like a little bit of a theory that diverse formats can be both good and bad depending on the nature of the removal. In the formats if the removal is better than the threats then the diversity of a format is a good thing if the removal is worse than the threats in the format and the threats are just all obscenely broken then the format is usually bad because it's too diverse and you have to play like narrow answers for these overly broken threats and then it's like bad so like i guess comparable to like hat format or whatnot like in hat format there's a lot of decks where they're all super broken, and they all need these really niche answers, right? Like, you need Spiritualism for Infernity. You need, like, Spell Canceler, Anti-Spell Fragrance for Spellbooks. Like you need all these weird cards yeah. for yep. for all the broken decks. In Edison format, your answer cards, like your Kaius the Shadow Monarch, your Bottomless Trap Hole, those are good against every deck. Yep. So you can go in, like, just having a really solid chance against, no matter what your opponent is trying to do, in formats where the removal is better than the Threats, Generally, diversity is a pretty good thing, honestly. So, yeah, it's yeah. just kind of the... I uh,
0: I mean, I, I agree with that, too, because I do not like having to play outs to things uh, and building my entire deck around. Well, I might play against this. I might play against that. I need to have these really shitty cards in general to beat this deck but they suck against every other deck and vice versa uh, that feeling is not good going into a tournament knowing that there's a chance that you will play a deck that you know only 20% of people are going to go up against you might fall in at 20% or you might be an 80% that never plays it and doesn't have to worry about it and you gotta
2: have a card in your side deck anyway because if you play against it you're fucked
0: yeah there's been formats where there's too many decks and Chain Burn is viable and I've actually lost so it's funny in one of the Jersey YCS's Secaucus in 2013 I went 9-2 and two playing Spellbooks. And this is a Fire fist dominated tournament, I want to say. I think Firefist was like the, the main deck that a lot of people played. And then it was also Water, which won the event. But Fire Fist was really big. So I made a meta call to play Spellbook because Spellbook literally stomps Firefist. Anyway, I did not side a single card for Chainburn. I knew it was a deck, but I didn't care about it. And lo and behold, one of my rounds, and pretty early, pretty early on, I actually lost to Chainburn. The guy just destroyed me. You know, spellbooks don't kill fast. So he got many, many turns to just do whatever he wanted. And I got burned to death. And it was really frustrating because it's like that format, that 2013 before Dragon Roller format, a lot of people forget about it. Uh, Tyree Tinsley ended up winning that event. But that, that, tournament technically had a couple decks to it like it was a pretty diverse tournament overall you had water fire and then you also had spell books but there were other decks like people play i'm sure people play evil swarm and shit like that but the problem was you just couldn't really devote space reasonably to a deck like Chainburn because it's just not really one it's not really a good deck but it's a deck that like might be able to beat you but realistically you'll never play against it so you don't want to feel stupid siding for something and you just never play against it i i hate I, i hate that whole thing and edison luckily the cards that you side in edison they cover so many matchups
2: literally
1: so many like honestly cyber dragon alone covers like 80 percent of the stuff cyber you're, dragon you're
0: really and dd crow have I, trouble
2: with. I start off every Yo, D.D. Side dd crow deck, is in every side deck
0: i <laughs> literally start off every side deck with three three dd crow and two cyber dragons that's pretty much how every single like I, I basically don't have 15 i have 10 because those are the first five in every side deck i've ever made
1: yeah you really can't go wrong with that i'm it's it's funny too because people will be like well why don't you just main them and it's like it's like they actually get better those cards specifically get better in postboard situations like when the postboard configurations are more streamlined the opponent's deck has like their narrow or more i don't know there's more removal in postboard situations and that's when cyber dragon gets better it's like a summon you can use to like bait out removal and whatnot and then DD Crow obviously gets better when there's more removal because you want to get rid of the stuff that you
0: also. I can say this for graveyard, I can say this for Cyber Dragon easily. But if your opponent sides, if everyone's siding Cyber Dragon, and we get into games two and three, whoever summons their Cyber Dragon first can be outed by my Cyber Dragon afterwards, right? So there's that whole thing where Cyber, exactly. Dr- Cyber Dragon literally gets better at game two and three when they have their Cyber Dragons in. Because if they summon theirs first, you could just you could even summon Card Trooper and be like, Mill three contact with your Cyber
2: Dragon. That happened to me last week. Last week in game it was like it was like game two or game three. We went to uh, a an, an Edison local at um where we go at Alternate Universe. And I think it was game three. S- state was whatever. I had car trooper on the board. His turn he goes Cyber Dragon Chimera Tech, and I was like, God damn
0: it. Yeah, and <laughs> it could have worked in a reverse way too. He could have you could have had Cyber Dragon and he could have just summoned Car Trooper into this it's it's actually crazy how good uh like Cyber Dragon is. And I have this thing where so, D.D. Crow checks all of the really fast, crazy decks. Like, all the decks that pretty much don't play traps and they kind of go fast. Like, all the Dragon decks, the Neuralis deck, Veyu, stuff like that. Those decks that are really, really quick. Crow keeps those decks in check. And then Cyber Dragon keeps all the slow decks, like Gladbeast and Hero Beat and stuff like that in check. Because that, you know, a 2100 Special summon Monster is, is kind of hard to deal with sometimes. So, it's like, those five side deck cards, the, the Crows and the Cyber Dragons... They kind of just, look, like, cover so many things uh, for you going first or second, regardless.
1: Exactly, exactly. And if you kind of treat it like, like if you, I, and I know Cyber Dragon and DD Crow aren't, they're not removal spells, right? No. But if you kind of treat them like they are removal spells, because a lot of the times you are trading Cyber Dragon with the back row, or you're trading it with, like, a Laquari or something. Yeah. It A lot of the times, because you are using it in that way, Um, the, they're honestly just really good removal spells that cover a lot of ground. And I think that that helps the diversity of Edison. For, I don't know. It's like this perfect storm thing. I, I don't really know I how even I'm, like what I'm how talking about here.
0: I even <laughs> like how if you're setting uh, if your deck is one of the decks that sets monsters. A lot of these decks in a format like to set Raikou. In fact, that the last Edison local I played in on uh, Thursday, uh, every single round I played, I attacked into a face down Raikou. So Cyber Dragon, when you're playing that card and they go set Ryko, you can then go summon Cyber Dragon attack and you trade Ryko and Cyber Dragon, then you get to set your own Ryko. So if your deck sets monsters, then you probably want Cyber Dragon to kind of clear their set monster first to clear it away. So that way you can freely set your monster now and then go from there. And that's such a good thing to have like that special summon trade for like, I'll just clear your Ryko, then I'll set my Spy or clear your Ryko, then I'll set my Hamster or my own Ryko.
1: Yeah, it's like a total tempo flip because you don't have to spend your normal summon. That's just the best part about it. It breaks through a lot of the like common openings in the format. It's just great. And I'm glad you brought up the word tempo
0: because in Edison format, uh, tempo is really the name of the game. Like I feel like so many games come down to someone establishes control of the game and then they kind of keep the game going exactly the way it is. So they just keep attacking, right? Like pushing their advantage just however they can really slowly. And it's up to the opponent to do something about it and change the momentum of the game. Otherwise, I'm just going to win if the situation stays exactly the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think some of the more hallmark cards of the format they kind of snowball in like tempo fashion. Like Bryonic, it's it's oh more God. of a tempo card, right? Yeah, and it's it's the best card in the format. It doesn't yeah. actually net you actual card advantage outside of battle. It's it's a minus one to even go into the card most of the time. Yeah, but it just the way it like it kind of answers everything. It's kind of got like this generic removal, and then it can force in damage in like late game situations. Yeah, I it's mean, actually
0: yeah, tempo, a really scary card, Bryonic. If you don't answer it immediately there's these cards that i always say and edison for as i've been playing this format for the last it's been over a month now it's almost two months i've been playing edison format and i feel like there are certain cards that you have to answer immediately they cannot sit on the field for more than one turn because it's snowball so bad rionic is probably the absolute number one card that just can't sit and then you get cards like red eyes darkness metal dragon that's another card that you can't just let that shit sit there
1: no, you can't for sure. For, for, you can't <laughs> let those cards sit yeah. there. There's a lot of stuff like that, and that's what I like about the boss monsters in this in this metagame too. Is that they all take a little bit of work to set up, right? Yeah. Ionic takes two monsters to summon, like Red Eye Star Metal. You have to have a dragon you can banish, and then you like, Judgment have Dragon you, you can bring back. Yeah, exactly. Judgment Dragon you need four lights, ones, dark arm. You need three darks, whatever. Yeah. And then all of these cards, even though they are really good for a single card, none of them actually immediately win the game. they give your opponent a chance to kind of respond and because the removal is so good they usually can after like the first push or whatnot yeah no it's true Uh, games go very back and forth
2: the other thing is all the boss monsters in this format don't all have inbuilt protection right whereas like current Yu-Gi-Oh, every boss monster is immune to targeting or immune to destruction or whatever (laughs) yeah but all the boss monsters here they're really strong dad can pop three cards jd pops the field um you know, Chaos Sorcerer, who isn't really used, but, you know, he banishes a card, uh Bryonic, Stardust, Goyo. But none of these cards, I guess except Stardust, but even Stardust gets out of by Caius and Deep Prison. Yeah, None of these cards are just like, I'm immune to everything that you do. You have to force something to get me off the field that's, you know, weird and awkward.
0: Yeah, you're touching on something that I think is where Yu-Gi-Oh! went wrong, Kenny. Uh When monsters became traps, and it's really, yeah. it's really obnoxious that that's where the game kind of... Went yeah. at a point where every monster. It started with Plades. I think Plades was one of the first monsters that was a trap. Like he was really easy to summon. He was a five star exceeds monster, and he came out and he had a built in compulsory evacuation device effect. But that could be used on spells and traps too, which is crazy. And I remember playing Dragon Rollers. This is when McCabe, McCabe actually won an ARG. Uh, ARG Columbus. He won with Satellar Knights because of that. Like Plades being a trap monster and being so. It was ahead of the curve. Everyone at the time was playing Dragon Rollers, and most Dragon Roller decks just went. Summon Draco Sack or Summon Big Eye. And that was like their main thing. You know, they could do other tricks too, like Hoban had his own Dragoonity stuff. But for the most part, they just summoned exceed monsters and passed. But those exceed monsters were not traps. But when you go summon Pleiades, you go bounce your exceed monster. So all that card advantage you put into that exceed monster is gone. And then he does it again because he has two materials. So it's like, holy shit, you're a 2,500 attack monster that you can summon from the extra deck at any point in the game. So he certs like, theoretically, he's searchable, right? And then he's a trap. So I can't even outdo anything to him. He also outs my board and he makes it where you can't even establish a new board. He was ridiculous. And he won that whole event because that card was so powerful and no one really realized like, oh, it's a trap monster. It was 2013. So it's super early in the whole trap monster phase of Yu-Gi-Oh! And then it kind of spiraled out of control as the game goes on. You end up with all these monsters now. I mean, every boss monster from the extra deck now, they do something where like you can't respond or it can't be targeted or it can't be destroyed or it negates anything, like literally anything. Borlo, Savage Dragon, negate any card, like just all of them, like all of the cards negate it. Also gain a bunch of attack. Like they do so much stuff that's like, this is a built-in trap and a monster. It's crazy.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And it all kind of circles back to this like sorcery speed removal, this like spell-based removal. In Edison format, none of the monsters, they they all have built-in removal effects, which is fine because yeah. they all kind of answer each other. Yep. But they don't set it up so your opponent can't come back into the game. Yeah. They don't restrict your opponent from playing. With with the slight exception I think of Archlord Christia, that does kind of pre- prevent a few things, like yeah. obviously with the special summoning. But I mean, all the few exceptions aside, there's nothing that's coming down that's saying like I'm going to solemn judgment your next three plays or something like that.
0: Yeah, there's nothing saying I'm going to trade my field. I have four monsters, and all four of these monsters can negate one of your cards. So I'm going to trade my whole field for your hand, and that's the end of the game. Because uh, <laughs> like I know, in yeah, and all four like, of
1: those monsters attack too.
0: Yes, they're huge. Right. I always think about uh, <laughs> the craziest trap monster that is not an extra deck monster in Yu Gi Oh. To me, is that Ultimate Conductor Tyranno thing that. He's- wild. That fucking monster is still out out of control. I mean, he's so ridiculous. He is very searchable, right? So, in some cases, he's easier to get out than extra deck monsters, because there's so many cards that get him, including spells and monsters, right? They have a straddles for him that searches him, there's a pill that gets him out, and then you can just raw draw him, and he's super easy to summon. So that's the first thing, is that he's, like, insanely easy to summon, he's more than 3,000 attack, so he beats every monster in Yu-Gi-Oh! And then... He has a trap effect where he can book the whole field and then he can attack everything and then he can attack everything face down and kill it immediately. Then he deals burn
2: damage. It's just like Hold on. <laughs> very important. He sends it Yes, very important. When he attacks a face down, he sends the card to the he graveyard. Is so ridiculous. He does not destroy it.
0: I laugh at how I don't know if you have this thing, Keegan, but we laugh at how comical some of these effects are now. Like the monsters in current Yu-Gi-Oh! Insane. They're so f- they're funny to me. You did you hear how many things I just said for Ultimate Conductor Tyranno? Like, by well, it's itself. funny that you
1: mentioned that card specifically because I actually have a deck, uh, with that card. It's not exactly a Dino deck, but to touch on like how you said he's very easy to tutor. There's a card called. Uh, it's like something. It's really weird. It's got like a Q-A-T q-o-a-t-l-u-s or something it's like a really weird card
0: oh i know what you're talking about that that uh dragon that negates i mean that dinosaur that negates spells and traps
1: yeah and when it when it's sent to the graveyard from anywhere you can tutor an evolution pill from your deck to your hand so i have a thunder dragon deck that makes curious and then curious can send either fairy tale snow or that card and then if you send that card you mill three more cards, and then you get your evolution pill, and then you get a ultimate conductor Tyrano. <laughs> yeah,
0: Which just like... it's not okay. It's yeah, so it's, not okay. it's
1: it's just so wild. It's, I, it's I mean, just... this go ahead. Current current format is kind of like this. Like, it's kind of just like if you let a kid make up all the effects. Yes.
2: You know. Yo, it really is. They're all all the card effects are. Let's make Goku a Yu-Gi-Oh card. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, too. like let's do the most.
2: And it's <laughs> something. Fun about it? Right? Yes, I was going to say. Oh that. yeah, I I enjoy. It. I've been playing Master Duel. Like I my I knew nothing about current Yu Gi Oh, but I, I toyed with Master Duel and I've started to learn about it. And I legit have fun playing it. Like I don't think it's a bad format. It's not my favorite format. I do prefer things like Edison, but I do see. I've learned the kind of the value in the current format. I do have fun with it. I see the skill in it. It is interesting. My friend Gary said something really funny that in current Yu Gi Oh, you don't have a turn. It's always our turn. <laughs> because it's not your turn it's our turn <laughs> because much. every single effect like my like the dragon maids that i use i'm a degenerate um they have a bunch of effects where during your standby and battle phase i am fully summoning like four monsters <laughs> on your turn like and negating cards and doing random shit it's like no man like this is our turn. We Yo, do things together in of
0: Yu-Gi-Oh! You could take... It's, it's almost funny. You could take certain cards out of Modern Format and put them in Edison, and they can't be out it reasonably. For example, Dragoon, I, if you put that shit in Goat Format or Edison Format, there is no way, reasonably, to get it off the field. Like, there is no reasonable out to it. You'd have to be playing Volcanic Queen, and, like, you have to draw, draw her. And if your deck is just happens to not be playing Volcanic Queen, because why the fuck would you be playing that card... You just get creamed, like you get ruined. <laughs> you can't get dragoon. I remember telling my friend, like, we can start a game. You can play whatever Edison deck you want, and I'll just start off with dragoon and a card in my hand, and I'll just pass to you, and you can just go ahead and take your turn, and we will just go from there and see how it it's goes. It's like a little puzzle. It's like a <laughs> yeah, little puzzle. Yeah, and like if you can't get my dragoon off the field in a, in a couple turns, you're gonna die. Like You're actually gonna die. This is kind of funny that that one monster can just make people six cards. They don't do anything. But uh,
1: there's a there's another like extreme to this, which I've actually been testing a little bit, a little bit of spoilers. I don't know if this video is going to be out by the time the podcast is out or not, but I'm going to be on. Oh,
2: okay. I get what you mean. You mean the video you're making this podcast will be out. We're recording, you know, today, but it'll be out tomorrow.
1: Yep. Okay. Okay. So this is a little bit of a a teaser for the upcoming week. I have built a Stardust Dragon Assault Mode deck. You You don't say. You don't yeah, say. <laughs> you don't say. That card's pretty much a red eyes dark dragoon. Obviously, it's not as easy to summon. Yes. But you do stick it. It is, it is honestly a game. It just wins the game. Yeah, yes. it just wins yeah. the game. So most Edison decks can't deal with it. So at all. Kenny and
0: I have actually been playing around uh and I said, what omni negates does Edison format have? And the only one that we really found that's, you know, pretty open. Stars Assault Mode. Stardust Assault Mode. I was like, holy shit, this guy. If you summon that card, honestly, it I, I don't really know reasonably, especially game one. Game two, you can just crow yeah. it, and then you're you're out of the woods. But, game, but even
2: then, yeah. even if you crow it, what you got to do to get... You have to play a card that's going to force me the negate, because yeah. I know crow exists. You have to play a card that's going to really force me the negate it, and then you have to have crow in your hand. So like you got to go out of your way to get rid of
0: it. Yeah, I've been making all kinds of wacky... You can ask Kenny. I've been making all kinds of wacky Stardust Assault Mode decks in the last couple of weeks, just because... Like I have my real decks like Hero B and Gravekeepers and Glad Beast and Diva Hero and Veyu Turbo, you know, all the standard decks that you expect to see in an Edison tournament. But then I have these, I don't know, decks where I'm trying to like break the format and do something that's completely unfair. And I do think that getting out Assault Mode is very unfair, but then the conundrum with it is every card that you have to play to get him out is awful. And, yeah,
1: pretty much. And <laughs>
0: they also wrote it in such a way where they knew they didn't want it to be abusable, which is one of the things I love about Edison Format is every time I try to find something to abuse, like, you know, I think I'm a genius and I think that I'm going to pull a, a a crazy fast one over on everyone else. There's something stopping it. So assault mode activate literally they have to be summoned from the deck and not the hand. If assault mode activate said from hand or deck, assault mode would be ridiculous, right? Like, that solves so many problems with assault mode monsters because you, you don't want to draw them ever. You want them to yeah. remain in your deck. And so it's so awkward because on one hand, well, I don't want to play more than one stardust assault mode. Like, I don't want to play, I don't want to play yeah. more than one of that card, but then if you draw it, the only way you can get it back into your deck is either to discard it and then pot of it away, or then or to plague spread zombie it. And so one of my problems that I've been having is what do I do when I draw it? I have to then draw foolish barrier to get Plague in the grave, or do I have to like fucking discard it and then pot of it back? It's so annoying, but then I want my deck to go fast, and if you make your deck too fast, then you're probably going to draw into it that way. So it's like this really weird balancing act where you want your deck to be fast enough to get out of Stardust, but you don't want to be so fast and draw too many cards where it ends up drawing the Stardust Assault mode. You also don't want to play more than one Stardust Assault mode. Even though they have this nice draw spell that's like Assault Teleport, I've experimented with that, and that card has its own memes. It's like put back an assault mode monster, draw two. So there's all kinds of things to try to like help this strategy out. But it was definitely made to be fair.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's super nerfed and compared to stuff like Dragoon, obviously. Yes. And there's a few other like little things that come up when I was uh, playtesting the deck. If the opponent's able to bring back a Treeborn Frog and then activate two Miracle Fusions, they can pretty easily beat you. That's that's one way you can actually lose because like absolute zero, I guess. Yeah, yeah, just summon a 3000 monster.
0: Oh, I see what you're uh, saying. So,
1: yeah, yeah, because yeah, the, the Stardust Assault mode is actually quite weak. You can run it over with a lot of different things. Well, he's 3000, right? Yeah, yeah he's but like 3K. if you run it over with something like, let's say you're able to go like Totem Dragon into White Knight Dragon or whatnot, and then you just crash with it, then you just have to deal with the Stardust. And they usually spent three or four cards to go into the Stardust Assault mode, so they're yeah. usually just top-decking at that point. Luckily, so,
0: I think when Stardust Assault mode comes out, though, it, it, it is typically just over... It, it has to be super extreme, I feel like, for you to get over that card,
1: honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah you, no, you, you, you do have do, to have, like, yeah. specific, specific stuff. Yeah. yeah,
0: It's 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 it harder to out than it is to get... Like, it's harder to get it off the field and then also be done with it than it is to, to get it out. Like, I think it's a little easier to summon a monster, because sometimes... One of the cool, funny things that you can bait your opponent into is just fucking activating your Starlight Road. That's just the cheapest way to get it out. You can just set Assault Mode, activate, set Starlight Road. And I've already discussed this with other players who are currently doing Edison, but if you draw Heavy Storm and your opponent has multiple back rows, right, you're not going to not play Heavy. Like, obviously, you don't want to get Starlight it. You don't want to, you know, the best case scenario is that they it or that they Dark Bribe it, but you can't just not play your Heavy Storm. Like, I I don't know what you're going to do if the game plays out and you're just holding Heavy Storm, hoping that it's not road the whole game. Like, that's not realistic. So every time people draw Heavy Storm, like, they pretty much do have to play it, especially if there's multiple back row. Like, I don't know. You might be able to get a turn where you go, oh, I'll set my Solemn first, right? And that's, like, a cool little thing you can do. But that's if you drew your Solemn or if you drew uh, anything that would negate Starlight Road, like Oppression or something. But if you don't have that option, like, if your hand is just, like, heavy and then a bunch of other cards that are, they might be good cards, but... You're not gonna just not play heavy. So every game where your opponent has to go heavy storm until you starlight road, that's just like the freest assault mode. And it's such a it's, a, it's such a blowout already to get starlight road. It like I haven't lost a single game where I've resolved starlight road pretty much ever. And yeah, yeah, and, and, and that kind of that's yeah.
1: kind of like the other thing too is like if they if they activate heavy storm and you resolve starlight road. Do you really need the assault teleport follow up, or can you just have any other trap card and just win anyway? Yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the thought process behind that whole thing. But and then and also another thing I've noticed I've had a few people send me lists lately without heavy storm. Yeah, because they, I saw your list they...
0: today didn't have heavy storm, and I, that was the first thing I noticed when you were playing the duel at the end of the video uh, for the volcanic uh, black garden deck.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think in some lists, it's right. In some lists, maybe it's not. But yeah,
0: I feel the same way about Torrential Tribute. I don't think Torrential Tribute is as good as people thought it was. Yeah, oftentimes it's just going to be Trap
1: Hole, like, realistically. So Yeah,
0: yeah and yeah. a lot of times it's worse because you like the game is so tempo-based. You have to be on the back foot for Torrential to be good. I don't like to play expecting that I'm going to be on the back foot.
1: Exactly, exactly. And that's, that's another reason I'm, like, not super sold on some cards, like Icarus Attack as well, because they're... Yep. They're very negative tempo, and Icarus attack is a great card. Don't get me wrong, it's a good and it card. definitely has definitely yeah. has a place. But the negative tempo traps, like they're maybe not always as right as you think, especially yeah. in Edison format.
0: Back then, everyone thought that those cards were so broken. And then this weekend, uh, when I played Edison format round one, I played against Black Wings, and he definitely set Vayu, set Icarus, at another back row, and I just went draw, set Starlight Road pass, and then he attacked me for some damage, and then I went draw, and I played my whole turn out, and then he tried to Icarus attack me, and I flipped Starlight Road, and I won, and. That kind of bait, like, as long as you're willing to take some damage, you can just do that to Icarus Tech every single time. Like, the second you know your opponent's playing Black Wings, that play is always open to you, and it just ruins that deck. Like, stuff like that just absolutely ruins that deck. And I don't like the idea of playing a card, especially in, you know, Triplicate, if if people play that many, or how, like, black, pure Black Wings play at least two or three but I don't like the idea of, of such an easy to play around card, even though the effect is kind of powerful. But then oftentimes, like you said, negative tempo cards like it gets rid of your shit too.
1: Yeah, yeah, taking away your own normal summon is is pretty big in this format for sure.
0: Yeah, the normal summon, Ooh, oh my sure, God, it's such a big deal in this format. I I uh I complain about the normal summon often because you know you'll have a Ryko and a Debris Dragon and a Sangan, and you're like, well, what the fuck? Which one do I want to do? And then yeah. you know you it, it's 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 so different from the last couple of, years of you because I did play Yu-Gi-Oh up until like 2016. So setting a monster was not a thing. Like, you could not set a monster reasonably in 2016 without losing the game. Uh, but in Edison, you can set a monster for three turns in a row and you will not be out. Of the- you'll be fine. Like everything will be fine if you keep setting monsters typically, unless you're just, I don't know, getting boned by something crazy. But typically you can set Raikou three turns in a row, which I've had experienced people do. And it's fine. Like you'll just be fine.
2: Yeah, it's still the the era of Yu Gi Oh where you can wait, like you can draw and out, you can kind of play safe, get into a situation where you can play back out of it.
1: Yeah, but the normal this, something um, is so important. You guys, that you, you bring up a good point. The the you can do nothing in yes. in yeah. ASM format, and yes. it's often correct. There's an episode of. Do you guys ever watch Avatar: The Last Airbender? Yes. I fucking love We've that show.
0: Finished all of Avatar.
1: Okay, okay. So you'll you'll know. There's You mean, a, there's the, you
0: mean the blue people, right?
2: What? Fraser is just trying to... I, I don't wait, know. Wait, I just know he's very wait. specifically pissing me off, and he's doing it on purpose. No, but I, he, may be, he may be pissing other people off as well. I was asking... the
0: blue people. The, uh, who was it? Christopher he Nolan movie? Dude, he or James Cameron. Christopher <laughs>
1: Nolan. That's the level two is calling it a Christopher Nolan. <laughs> 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 the, the guy who made the Titanic. right now.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I saw that. The blue people. It's like uh, Pocahontas. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: No, but yeah, Avatar the, and the last <laughs> the last airbender with Aang. Go ahead. There's
1: there's a there's an episode where he goes to rescue the Earth King, and the Earth King is like in his little Boomy? Like, yeah, Boomy, yeah, exactly. Boomy. And they rescue him and they find out that he could have broken out of prison anyway. Oh yeah, and I love like, that episode. They're like, why didn't you do anything? And he's like, sometimes the right answer is to do nothing. Yeah. And I'm I'm just like, that's awesome. In Edison format, you can actually there's so much more to the game besides doing as much as possible. Yeah. There's also doing as little as possible and winning. Yeah. yeah. Like cons- conserving resources, which you don't see that a lot in most formats of Yu Gi Oh! Yeah, to
0: now you just wanna you definitely just wanna get all your shit out as fast as possible and just tell your opponent you need to break all of this.
2: One of the yeah. one of the most interesting do nothing aspects of Edison is Gores, right? The fact that gores exists, everybody and their mom attacks a certain way because gores exist, so you can draw smile and end turn and then your opponent is going to play in a way where he might not attack with all of his monsters because you might and you don't have gores in your hand but you might have gores in your hand so they don't attack with all their monsters or whatever
0: the threat of gores is bigger than actual gores
1: yeah yeah totally there's so many cards that just like warp the meta like gores and i think that's super cool because when you start playing the format more you start realizing I should do this more often, I'll win more games. Yep. And then it creates those mind games, the level two mind games. Once you have that information, now people can trick you. So yes. Yeah.
0: And it it also works the better the player, the better it works because you know you can try to bluff a gores against somebody who's kind of new, they'll just attack you and they don't give a fuck. They don't got time for that. But if your opponent is pretty decent, they're gonna consider gores if you just pass. And so you have to also know exactly. your exactly. Yeah, it helps to know who you're playing against. Like
1: I, uh, that's another cool part about this format is like knowing your opponent it matters a lot because it it really dictates the way you play the game yeah like I not play just differently. with the gores thing yeah. yeah
0: yeah i play differently based on who i'm playing for sure but go ahead what were you going to say with the not just the gores thing
1: yeah i mean there's this whole like information game to this where you are kind of like slowly weeding through the limited cards and you're like okay they no longer have mirror force so Turntral, what could their set yeah, card stuff be stuff like that yeah and you're kind of playing this like this cool information-based game where you're you're knowing what to play around based off of what was already used. I think that is kind of lost in later formats as well. True. Where it's just like, you just have three of everything or something is banned or I don't know. It's yeah. just kind of like they have a hand trap and there's no way to tell which hand trap they have or you're just kind of... That's,
2: that's one of the yeah, frustrating things about hand traps is that they, I mean, effectively, because like people say that people don't play traps anymore in Yu-Gi-Oh! Which what they mean by that is they don't play pink cards. Because everybody still plays traps, right? You all have hand traps. But th- what's frustrating about hand traps is that there's no real way to read them. Like in Edison format or just previous formats in general. If I have three set cards or two set cards, and you summon a monster, and I check a back row, that back row might be bottom of shrapnel or torrential or whatever, or you know, like, or if if you go attack and I check a certain back row. And then I go, okay, you're good. Like, that back row might be Deep prison or Mirror Force. Or maybe it's not, and I'm just bluffing it and wait, you know what I mean? Seeing what you do. But yeah, you just can't way- really do that with Ash Blossom.
1: Exactly, exactly. And even the way you set the cards. Like, let's say, in that example you brought up earlier, Frey, um, when you set the Starlight Road turn one, you pass the turn, and the opponent has their Icarus attack set, they can possibly be thinking about Starlight Road now. Yep. They can possibly be thinking, like, if, okay, I should play around this. If
0: they were me, they would be thinking about that. <laughs> I am so <laughs> you. You can ask anyone who knows me well. I am such an overthinker, and I won't even say it's to my own detriment because a lot of times when the crazy shit that I think is happening, I'm for some strange reason I'm usually right. It's the weirdest skill, but every time I call like what my opponent has randomly like that, sometimes I'll say it out loud, but sometimes I'll keep it to myself. It's like it's right an absurd percentage of the time, right? Like Kenny, it is scary. It's how so often. frustrating. I can just we play say on, something. We
2: play on Dueling Book. It'll be like me and my cousin playing. And Fraser is like teaching my cousin how to play Yu-Gi-Oh! And as he gets better. And we'll be playing and he'll be looking at my cousin's screen. And then he'll be like, I think Kenny just drew this. And, I th- and I'm just like, <laughs> look at my hand. And I'm like, how does he know? Like, how does he fucking know what I'm doing? It's so
0: scary. I, I'm really good at making reads. But I think it's just because I played Yu-Gi-Oh! from the beginning like 05 all the way up until you know 2015 2016 when i quit so i'm used to making reads that was a part of the game and i think that we could summon this entire segment up by saying it's like the detective work is missing from Oh right now like when i play games and edison format and any format prior to it you have to do the detective work you have to summon a monster and check for bottomless summon a monster check for torrential and depending, and you say yourself, well, he would not have used it there if he had it, right? And then you can make different reads based on that. And then you check after you attack. You check for deep prison. You check for mirror force. You check for book of moon. If they have a monster in the field that could beat over your monster's defense, it's like so many things that you do. Every little interaction in the game, I feel like, so it, it should be telling you something about your opponent's hand. And you could piece together. You should be able to piece together their original six cards slowly but surely, as you see what happens when you do certain things. And so I'm always doing detective work from the very beginning of the game, like from the start of the game, if I don't draw a trap, dust shoot and just get the easy route, then I just try to Batman the entire game out and see exactly what you have and play around it accordingly or play into it on purpose. Like I'll play into Mirror Forces and Torrentials so that I can Starlight Road them. If I'm playing a deck that runs Starlight Road, for example.
1: Um, Yeah. And this is like, this is where the player to player interaction comes in in Fullest Force in Yu-Gi-Oh!, because everything beyond you're playing this information game and like trying to trick up your opponent using different information and stuff, everything beyond that is just memorization and sequencing, which mm-hmm. is stuff you can do in a single player game. So, as soon as you lose what you're talking about, as soon as you lose the detective work, Yu Gi Oh! stops being a multiplayer game,
2: and yeah. that's that's my biggest issue with later formats as well. Yeah, totally nailed it. Yeah, yeah
0: it's uh, I, it's, it's interesting. Go ahead, Kenny.
2: I just want to say this is kind of random, it's like a side note, but. Something, it's once again related to, we're talking about this format and the creativity of different decks. And your YouTube channel, Keegan, E3 Yu-Gi-Oh! Two, I've seen a, you know, not every video, but I've seen a good amount. Two of my favorite ones are uh, the Dark of deck, which I thought was a really, really cool deck. um, And the Baboon deck, in which Baboon was never summoned.
1: (laughs) 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 Okay, okay, to be fair, to be fair... I, I was I was checking a box there. I, I was meeting a requirement. <laughs> I said I would build and play a baboon deck. I did not say I would some.
2: <laughs> what's funny though, that, what's though. funny, though, about that baboon deck is, in the videos you showed on YouTube, is the deck, funct- other than the fact that baboon was almost always a dead card and never got summoned, the rest of the deck functioned pretty fucking well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think there's definitely something to giant rat into the audibles. And this is also something that I I made a video on like about a year ago now, but basically it's how the 1400 recruiters are underrated because they give you access to the majority of your deck
0: Yeah,
1: on demand. It's kind of like playing additional copies of Rhoda, but just for more than just. Warriors, you know what I mean? Yo,
0: I saw a game. I don't know if it was on your channel. Uh, you know what? No, I was watching Dueling Book. Sometimes I randomly get bored and I just go on Dueling Book and I go to watch and then I look at the classic duels, so you can see them every
1: time. Me too,
0: too. People (laughs) are playing Edison. And I was watching a duel yesterday, and somebody went summon Mystic Tomato crash into the guy's monster and summon Phantom of Chaos and then main phase two Neuralis. And I was fucking mind-blown okay i was fucking mind blown because i like the neuralis deck it's actually one of the decks i've been playing a lot like in real life i ordered all the cards for and everything and i like it it's really good and i think that game one is pretty free because no one has like there's no crow or anything like that to stop you they pretty much just have to have solemn or book of moon or a compulsive that that card's even main deck so there's not many cards that they can stop you with game one and when he did that shit I was like, I never even thought about the fact that Tomato can just get this. Like, I know tomato's a cart, but it never occurred to me like, oh, this is a good tutor for Phantom of Chaos, who can be used for more than just Nerlaris. Like, he can do a lot of weird shit. Dark, Dark Arm Dragon, uh, Judgment Dragon, uh, you know, all, all of Dark Creator, which is one of the big ones that he's used for a lot of the time. But when I saw that, I was like, oh, man, Tomato's kind of nasty.
1: Yeah, Tomato's also really nasty in that deck for a few other reasons. It's because not only does it get Phantom of Chaos, but it modals into switching on like your whole deck. You can also go like tomato into Armageddon, send the Norlaris, like if you need to set up. Yep. Or let's say you have a couple copies of Dark Creator in your hand. You can crash three tomatoes, get an Armageddonite, send a Dark, crash the Armageddonite. Like let's say you send Phantom.
0: Yeah.
1: Main phase two, you can special the Dark Creator, bring back the Phantom, and then go off from there as well.
0: Yeah. That so, plays crazy, by the way. The one you just yeah, said.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, there's some them some nasty stuff with that card. Yeah, Sorry, sauce?
2: I was just going to say there there is some sauce with recruiters. I know like in goat format. Uh I don't know how popular the deck is, but I know around that format people used to play like Pyramid Turtle and to bring out a uh, Vampire Lord, which is crazy cuz yeah. Pyramid Turtle cuz Vampire Lord's pretty big for a card that can be brought out of your deck with Pyramid Turtle. But Yeah. Yeah, it actually
1: won the Hallmark Goat format shona jump Jump. Ve- uh, I think it was Shona Jump Vegas, or I'm not sure actually. It was it was the first goat format Shona Jump Championship. Uh, oh, Pyramid wow. Turtle Vampire Lord won that format, uh, or not format? Uh, the tournament, yeah. Which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Solid, solid strategy. I mean, back in the day, it was. I think now it's been phased out a little bit by more broken stuff. But to touch back on like the original thing, like with the giant rats and stuff, I think that's kind of a slipped on strategy, and it it always favors the better player, right? Because when you have access to the majority of your deck on command, yep. You can make the right decisions. Like you have more decisions that I can make to my opponent's game plan. I can adapt more easily to them. And if you're a better player, if you have more options, you're going to win every single time. So
0: that's why I, I started the format out liking Gladby so much, because while every other deck, uh, the, the immediate problem I had with Diva Hero for as strong as that deck can be, because it can be very explosive and OTK you when it doesn't do that, though, it doesn't have the best grind game at all. It doesn't play Pot of Avarice. It doesn't want to go into the late game because then it starts to get awkward with the other decks that want to grind slowly. Um, But the problem I had with it is that you have to draw the water side of your deck. You have to draw the hero side of your deck. And then you also have to start drawing miracle fusions. And you got to do all three of these things every single game for it to really be a diva hero deck, right? And when you don't do that, when you draw half of it, when you just draw evil hero in front of prodigy Stratos and militias and stuff like that, but then you never see water or you never see miracle fusions and those games happen very often. It's so frustrating. And I was like, I don't like this. I'm just gonna fucking play around with Glabies and I felt so good because every game, even if Gladbyes have their own issues, you know, like bigger monsters can be a problem and all that good stuff. But the at the end of the day, like a Test Tiger is every monster in your deck. A Test Tiger is a pop a back row. A Test Tiger is pop a papa monster, and in a battle phase, is all of those things as well. And then if certain opportunities present itself, you can secutor it and it's just like straight up game. Also, there is no card in the format quite like Chariot. It is one of the most fucking polarizing cards in the game. It ends games so fast. Like them just going summon anything, set chariot and a couple more back row. And then you go, let's say you're playing hero, you go summon stratos and they just chariot it. That's probably realistically the end of your turn. And they're just going to get that card back. It is such a ridiculous card. So I really, really liked when I first started playing Edison again, playing Glabbeast because you do, it's exactly what you said. I, I can recruit all of my deck off of one battle phase or one test tiger. And your opponent has to draw, you know, they just have to hope like whatever they're playing with. They just have to hope. I hope I draw this. I hope I draw that.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I think that's a really cool thing. I think there's a concept. I think I've touched on this in a couple of my videos. I don't know exactly how many of you guys uh, of the videos you guys have watched, but there's a concept that I've touched on called card activity, which is kind of the same as card advantage. But if you think about it in a more metaphysical sense, like my card does five things And your card does one thing. And if I can make one of those five things beat your one thing, or if I just have more activity with my cards, then I'm playing with more cards than you are. Like I'm playing where I can set up more different situations where I'm favored and you're hard locked into drawing your infernal prodigy, like you said, those situations, you don't have a lot of different permutations of situations that you can set up to win whereas stuff with like test tiger like you said or rescue cat to a degree because you can get test tiger sam knight or yeah whatever you know mystic tomato you can you can set up a lot more like different situations and a lot more um i don't you get what i'm saying
0: yeah i get exactly what you're saying in fact even on the recruiter thing so i think the reason why you don't see many recruiters being played outside of maybe shining angel for the fairy deck is because of the presence of raiko and snowman eater because those cards are removal, and it's obvious to say that if you crash a tomato into a Raikou, it kind of sucks. If you crash into a Snowman eater, it's even worse. Uh, and, and those interactions are really, really annoying. Now, granted, you could just go set your tomato against you know Snowman, and they really can't do much. But then you open yourself up to shit like Caius, and he is so unchecked in this format. <laughs> like that guy, that guy shits on every single thing. So it's it's really awkward uh, with the recruiters that just need to be killed by battle unless your opponent is playing something that's kind of aggressive and puts monsters in attack mode for you to crash into but if they if, yeah. they, if they don't then if you play against so i guess my edison experience is very skewed because of my local alternate universes almost every player there is playing some kind of grindy deck that sets monsters a lot and it, it makes me feel like this is the format and i know that that's not necessarily true because you have uh, value turbo and i think we do have one player who plays that every week and he does well every single week with it and then we have like mccabe last week well mccabe switches every week he played black wings this past week but he constantly complained the entire tournament about how bad it was and i was (laughs) like i mean he just completely every he was sat next to each other every round and he was like my deck is so bad but he like won but he'd be like, like what it took for him to win would be something like your opponent had to misplay, or you had to draw a deck <laughs> devastation virus when they were plus four on you. It'd be stuff like that. He's like, I, I just could not imagine playing this in a like in a long tournament where I have to be consistent. I can't imagine this deck. Um, but yeah, like that has skewed me to feel like every time I attack a face down monster, I just expect that shit to be Ryko. I even started attacking face down monsters and putting my monster in the graveyard before he flip it. So I am just like, I already know, mill oh. your three. Like here we go, you are gonna do your little Ryko nonsense, and then.
1: Sometimes I'm like, oh, it's a spy, nice. <laughs> it's like that whole that whole expectation, that whole turn one set thing. I know a lot of people didn't really like that because that's sort of the that's sort of the variable factor of Edison format, right? That's sort of the uh what is it? That's sort of the hand trap, so to speak, of yeah. Edison format where you you don't really know which one to play around. So you just play around as much as possible or you have to play detective work in game one. Like the and it only really happens on turn one, game one. Yep. The first thing they set. Because after you've played game one, you know what your opponent is on, more or less. Yeah. And even if you even if you know that they had those cards, you also know what other options they could have in their sideboard based off of the cards you saw in game one as well. So it, it does help to but that first that very first interaction can be a little bit frustrating. I mean, and that's why the infernal prodigy and DV Hero stuff's been so Great, honestly, because they just say I don't give a fuck about what you said. I'm gonna prodigy into Caius, and then you're gonna lose it on turn one.
0: Yeah, that so. feeling is really nice. Just prodigy into like, anything into Caius. I feel so good resolving Caius. Hard is nuts. <laughs> he really is. He's so crazy in this format. Uh, I, I do want to run three in every deck, but I can't support it in every deck, unfortunately. So he has to
1: calm down. True, true. Kenny, you had mentioned the Dark S'more deck. Was there anything in specific you wanted to talk about the Dark S'more deck? Dark oh no,
2: I just. I said Dark Samwer is sick. I forgot about that card. It's it, that's the Same. other interesting thing is when when I played back in 2010, there's a lot of these cards that I looked at that I thought were cool that I would test or whatever um and then coming back look, when I came back uh cuz what happened Frazier watched that tournament like I think the whole weekend. Somebody in our Discord mentioned the tournament. I was busy Yeah, it's weekend. the hydro, Fraser, hydro
0: pump. Mitchell Naus? Yeah. I think his name is?
2: And then yeah, yeah, he um he was commentating with you I think Keegan. Uh yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. At one point he was yeah. yeah. Um so Fraser watched the tournament, and he ended up getting sucked into Edison, and then that ended up getting me sucked in, and so I went back. I actually tried to rebuild the deck, similar, obviously, with twenty twenty bias, build the deck that I played back then, which is like a version of Monarchs that uses Dandelion and Treeborn and Level Leader. Um, but anyway, I watching the dark some deck, i you know as you pl- as you go and you look at cards you go oh i remember Assault mode i remember dark some so anyway that that card is really cool i thought that deck video was really cool
0: yo and that also scares me too yeah, by the dude, fucking way
2: the one play with the uh the the fucking where you had the one dark world left in your hand and it was forced to get oh, oh my god that was that so much game
1: I can't believe I caught that on camera because that was fucking crazy.
2: Dude, that was. I was laughing so hard when I saw that.
1: I actually lost
2: it during that game. What was that the was mandatory
1: less.
0: effect that caused that to happen?
2: It was, was Machina Fortress when he's targeted or when he's destroyed one of the it's two. It's mandatory, he, yeah. You look at the yes. hand, and then you even typed, you were like, his effect's mandatory. Yeah, because like, right the guy away, wasn't doing it. In it. Like, he
0: wasn't trying to discard your card.
2: No, I, he already
1: knew. He already knew. And then. And then he left again. I was just like, I believe. Yeah, that shit too. had me
0: dying. but what I wanted to say, so Darks and, and this is why I like your YouTube channel a lot, because you can learn something from everywhere. Like, even if all the decks aren't super competitive and like they're not gonna be YCS winning decklists or whatever, there's still something you can take from them. And the the recent uh Darks Morph one, I one, I forgot that card exists. Like I just that card was not in my head at all before that video. So Literally, I have not built a single deck with that in mind or anything about it. And when I saw that video, I watched the duels at the end. And even outside of the meme where like you silvered the guy into oblivion, uh, the game where you just summon dark Samorph and the guy just lost the game. He couldn't yeah. he could not play the game of Yu-Gi-Oh! You just fucking summoned some morph and he could not play. And I started thinking about it like my whole local, I think everyone at my local that I play against outside of the one Vayu turbo guy would be. They would lose like if I summon some more turn one, they would literally lose the game from that. That would be the end of the game.
2: And it, yeah, and if your deck can support it, like I play my deck has three Kaias, three Riza, and three Debris Dragon and other Darks. Summoning Dark Some is pretty easy. I ended up testing it on Dueling Book after seeing that video. And there are some games that I played against some people in Dueling Book. You summon Dark Some and they just kind of they're they're they fall apart. Like if they don't already have set cards, <laughs> yeah. They're like, what do I do?
0: And your deck is turboing it out, so it's someone to turn one. You know, pretty often, like whenever it draws it for the most part. And that that shit, I can just imagine is absolute game. Like you just do not. Have, you're not, especially if you're not expecting it to come out. It's like what the fuck.
1: Yeah, that's it does get a little too. weird. It does get a little weird because I've played since uploading that video. I've actually played the mirror match.
0: <laughs> oh God, not the mirror
1: match. <laughs> and, like, yeah, like activating Dark World Dealings or activating Card Destruction in the mirror match is scary. Yeah, because like, you oh. have to do it. Yeah, yeah, you you just have to do it. You can't not do it. But if they just have the silver or the gold, you just fucking lose. So yeah, I mean, if that deck ever gets popular, I mean, it will, it will weed itself out. There's a few other cards like Gemini Amps is in the format. There's a few other ways to deal with yeah, it.
0: Yeah, this yeah, There's only a few hand traps. Gemini Amps, Honeywada, and DD uh, um, Crow, of course, are like the main. Like you know, but of course,
1: if you if. Pick up the damage step ones, Clue honest, and then the triple herald. You have herald purple, herald green, and herald of orange. Yeah, I uh. So well. Does the fairy deck play any of the heralds? Yeah, yeah. So the fairy deck it plays three orange light. The mm-hmm. one that the one that's doing well plays three orange light. Yeah. there's a couple other builds that play like nine heralds, but yeah, it's bad. I haven't seen. Yeah. We said this
2: we in our we just recently had a podcast episode with Dale Bolito on, and I mentioned this there from the dawn of Yu-Gi-Oh till now. I still hate the way fairy decks play. Like, they, they've played, they've had the same game plan since the dawn of Yu-Gi-Oh, and I fucking hate it every time. Like, I hate fairy decks so much.
1: Uh-huh. The Archlord Christia, is that is that the part that, uh... Like Archlord you Christia,
2: it... it's not just Christia, because even, like, their, their decks, fairy decks, I feel like, have always been, I want to make sure you don't play the game with, like, the Heralds, and then when, when Herald of Perfection and Ultimist came out, then it was over, over, but... That, too. Yeah, that, too, for sure for sure.
1: One thing that's super good about Herald of Orange Light that the other hilts don't really do is Herald of Orange Light is positive tempo. It buys you a normal summon, yeah. and oftentimes it buys you a battle phase too. So even though you're going minus one, it's, if you think about it, like kind of a Regeki break, in a sense that also negates effects. Yeah.
0: It's kind of a busted card. Like just, it's just a busted card.
1: It's really broken. It's, it's part of the reason why I think the fairy deck is like Probably viable. one of the best decks, yeah. I think I think it's like top five decks in the format for
2: sure.
0: Really, see, this is
2: what do you so I was going to ask on that. What do you think? Like, just doesn't have to be perfect, but top five, no order. What would you say it is right now?
1: Okay, uh, number one is probably once
2: again, you don't have to put it in order, you yeah, don't gotta no see, see, Yeah, it.
1: okay, okay, no order, no order. It's probably dragons, absolute yeah. zero, berries, um. <laughs> The the next two get kind of tricky. Probably black wings. If I'm gonna be honest.
0: When you say and black then, wings, you mean pure black wings or value turbo?
1: Yeah, both. Well, I I would mean both. But uh, they would be my fourth and fifth. Is black wings and value turbo
0: really? I think. you put yeah. a lot of stock in yeah, black think, wings.
1: Oh yeah, no, I think black wings are black? super fucking good. That that yeah, did they're not
0: they're like, top your uh your tournament either. It looks like I'm looking at the yeah, top.
1: But, well, See, that's the thing, is like everyone's still stuck in their fucking old format brain rot where they're building these like shit ass lists and just hoping it carries them. And that's the <laughs> problem, right? It's it's been twelve years. The metagame I, has changed.
2: I did know? see I um I can't remember exactly what you did in the video, but you did have a video commenting on that that no people haven't updated their Blackwing list, and you you were saying how you had like an updated Blackwing list, and then you had like another video where you played against Blackwings and you were like you know, if he had made some of the changes I made, like his cards would be more active. I can't remember exactly. You, you probably yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, yeah,
1: that had happened in in a couple of the more recent videos. Yeah, and I, I have an updated list. It's on the it's on the channel. I'm sure <laughs> people will find it. People will find it if they're listening to this. They'll 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 find it. And it has it has a few more like up to date things. It maximizes more on like the power of Blizzard because Blizzard's fucking broken as shit.
0: Yeah, Blizzard's really. You said debris dragon.
1: Yeah, no, it's a it's a debris dragon, but it brings back good cards. which is, like crazy. Yeah. And then it plays Triple Windblast, which I think Windblast is just super well positioned right now. And it plays zero Icarus Attack. It doesn't play Torrential, I don't think. What do you this is music ice.
0: to my ears? Cause I fucking hate I hate Icarus Attack. I'm not a big fan of Torrential Tribute either. So those cards sound like they're Yeah, I definitely cuts.
2: think Wing blast is better than Icarus.
0: Yeah. Wing Blast is yeah. so
1: good. So ridiculous right now. And you just plus it right off, right? Because you've got your three blizzards. In this build, I've also got Malicious, I've got Plague, I've got Necro. So as soon as you just go, you have like a ton of really great discards between the value, the Soroko. Like pretty much every card in the deck is a great discard because you're either setting up for a blizzard or you're setting up for like a massive turn where you have three summons based off your grave play and stuff.
0: So, yeah, so, so from your perspective, because you're talking about a Blackwing deck that is not conventional, from Your perspective, Black Wings are high on the list because of that. Like, there is not the list that people typically play in Edison format,
1: yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll send you guys the list after the, yeah. after the recording yeah, so you guys I often, can have a look at it.
0: I often go to edisonformat.com and just look at over and over and over again. I look at the decks that are on here because I love seeing C- like this is such a great resource and it just gives me ideas. And, uh, you know, a lot of people who start Edison format they kind of reference the top eight from the RBET tournament. Which makes sense, like that's what I, that's kind of how I started, I was like, okay, so Vayu Turbo won, Diva Hero got second, let me start off playing those two decks, then I quickly realized I don't really like either of these that much, they're not my play style per se, like Diva Hero's kind, it kind of is, it's like a control deck, but it's just not really, I don't know, it's not really a combo, but it's not really like my my type of deck waiting to draw Miracle Fusion. And then I saw the Neurales deck, which got third place. And I said, This deck is busted. It just is not that trying to is play. So it's not trying to play the same Yu-Gi-Oh! as everyone else. And something about that is so funny to me. Cause like I've literally gone summon Phantom of Chaos, and people have had Stardust and two back row and a set Raikou, And all that shit had to go. I'm like, "What were your oh. back row? And it's just like, oh, I had bottomless D prison set with a Stardust oh. and a Raikou, And it's just like, yeah, you fucking got destroyed by this phantom of chaos
1: phantom of chaos is is a great way to get people who are overloading on like royal oppressions overloading on just like sticky like your generic good back row but they're maybe slimming on book of moon slimming on wind blast yep again back to the wind blast thing i think it's just super good because it helps interact with a wider variety of things yeah and i think i think the norlaris deck is actually quite good i'm I'm pretty high on it as well. That, I I would kind of include it in the dragons category, or like yeah, I do, cons- yeah, I yeah, do I consider
0: I do consider it kind of because when people say dragons, right? To me, that just means all the turbo decks that play red eyes.
2: Yeah, future I- fusion and red eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as your
1: deck has future fusion red eyes, that's pretty much yeah, what I'm classifying. I do
0: consider it as a dragon deck as well because I mean, at the end of the day, the way it wins the game is not just Neuralis, but it has to summon these big ass dragons back.
2: And that's what's yeah, scary I- about it, dude. It ends with a board like turn two or turn three it'll have a board that's like red eyes red eyes dark horse or something it's like okay well
0: <laughs> you get one turn
2: it is really the biggest like swarm deck with like
1: just ridiculous monster and the crazy thing about it is like red eyes darkness metal he's probably like better than any of the other synchros yes <laughs> like yes on his own he is
0: such an absurd creature like he <laughs> generates card advantage for sitting there i i love card like hemifaltral those are cards that I love because once they're on the field, your opponent they have to answer them immediately. Otherwise, it snowballs so bad.
1: Mm. Totally, totally. Fun little lore fact for all the listeners at home: Faultroll is actually the like like the more trained version of another card that has a very similar effect called Knight of the Red Lotus. I believe. I'm gonna look him up. You know this card? It's like know- a six star. Okay, night. Nice. It, it it's basically it's basically Faultrow but for Vanilla Monsters and he's weaker. And then in the lore he like trains and gets stronger and then he becomes an XX Saber. Oh
2: shit. It's
1: like the I elite never Saber knew Monsters. That. Yeah, That's it's actually kind of cool. cool.
2: I do like Yu-Gi-Oh card lore and shit when you see like different cards and how they grow up and whatever.
0: Yeah, gaga giga go and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. A Gearfried. Uh what's the other guy who becomes uh what is it called? what's the dark uh dark lord zarado and he becomes the other thing
1: too uh
2: and yes, what's what's yes. the warrior greffer greffer die yeah, or die warrior, greffer? Oh yeah, yeah. die
1: warrior die greffer yeah. yeah of course all the different storylines in the art direction is so cool and that's part of the reason i'm i'm like really drawn into this game from like a creative aspect too is because they have they're telling you two stories right i guess i guess we should we should go back a little little walk down history this is a this is a tangent but you know what fuck it let's do it hey gadgets.
2: that's what this is all about baby
1: <laughs> All right, so how I got into Yu-Gi-Oh!, I was a kid, more or less, and my cousin and I were watching this TV show because we just needed something to scratch that Pokemon itch after Pokemon Season 1 ended, and Yu-Gi-Oh! was just the perfect thing, and everyone around our age seemed to be really into it, too. My best friend at the time in elementary school, Alex, he also watched the show, and we would all, like, get together and play every once in a while. We would go to our locals, just, you know, just kids, like, just playing whatever cards we could get. Yep. And one of the things that really stuck out with me is just, like, there was characters in the show, and then there was a whole world within the cards themselves. Yeah. So, so it's like this story within a story thing, and I, I think that's just a really cool way to frame like, the cards, give them identity, and then it, it gets you more attached to the cards themselves. Like, you guys have favorite cards. What what are your guys' favorite cards? Like, all-time.
0: Well, Black the uh, Soldier, Envoy to Beginning is one of my all-time favorite cards. Geez
2: that got something special.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just, that card is so iconic to me. Cause it's at the beginning of me playing Yu-Gi-Oh, he was just around, uh, and obviously dark magician. Like that's one of the names that I go by is dark magician. I love the dark magician. I think he's fucking cool as shit. Uh, in all his different forms. I mean, you look at red eyes, Dragoon, right? He's still relevant now in a way like dark magician is just such a ridiculous card. And then also that illusion of chaos monster that just came out, the blue guy, he looks insane.
2: I, um, I'm going to give some of my, I'm going to give an answer that's, like, super, like, one of my favorite cards is, like, blue eyes, obviously, but whose isn't? But here's two cards that I, I think are, you'll very rarely hear. Two of my favorite monsters are Slate Warrior. Uh, he's a Wind Fiend monster, 1900, flip effect. Um, he'll become 24 if you flip him, and if you destroy him by battle, you lose 500 attack. Slate Warrior and Sylphid Sylphid, I think, came out in Invasion of Chaos. He's a wind monster that can special summon from your hand by removing a wind from your grave. So I pretty much always played some version of Monarchs through like throughout my whole life. So really early on, before you had things like Treeborn and stuff, I remember I played a deck that was a, a lot of wind monsters, three Slate Warrior, I think I played two or three Sylphid, and then Slate Warrior just being a big body... He could survive long enough to summon out as a Borg or a Mobius or whatever. And then Sylphite is a special summon by banishing a Slate Warrior in the grave. I could Feed into a Monarch. And so really early on, Sylphite and Slate Warrior were like two of my favorite cards.
0: Almost uh, forgot and- to mention Dark Magician of Chaos for me too. I fucking love Ooh. that card.
1: Well, t mark is so sick. That's yes. like my boy, dude. So That's good. my lad. <laughs> Such a good Yeah, guy. but... You guys have, you have, like, these emotional connections to these cards, you have mm-hmm. emotional connections to these stuff, and I think having the backstories to these cards, like, knowing the lore behind, like, Slate Warrior, and, like, all the different stuff, even the release lore behind Slate Warrior, how there's, like, a, I think there's, like, a $10,000 Slate Warrior, do you know about that one?
2: Mm-hmm. I've I've heard about it, because Slate Warrior, yeah, I, came out I don't remember exactly, game. but yeah, it was, you know, think it's, it's like been a, years.
1: I think it's like a really rare, like Euro print, super rare. So I don't really know what it is, but yeah, no. And, and like, even just like having that story to attach to the cards, it like builds your identity as a duelist, It builds your identity as a player. You're like, I play Monarchs. This is, this yeah, is my identity. This is who I am. And, yeah, that's true. And all the storyline behind the cards kind of like helps feel like um, a stronger sense of self with relation to the cards themselves. I don't know where I'm going with all this. No, I actually
0: do. (laughs) I can add to that, though, because... So, you know how when... I don't know if you're into anime in general, but, like, Kenny and I, we really love anime, and we always have our favorite characters in anime, and we kind of model our favorite characters, or I I should say, we kind of model ourselves after our favorite characters. So, in a way, like, I know Kenny's favorite Dragon Ball character is Vegeta, and for me, like, you know, I... I also like Vegeta, I like Goku, I like Sasuke and Naruto, like, it's certain characters that you just kind of resonate with, and they, like, they all build onto your identity, you attach them because of who you are as a person, and, like, the values they stand by. so, like, for me, I'm on some errand shit from Attack on Titan right now, because it's always been fuck them kids, and we don't give a fuck, everything gotta go, everything gotta die, I'm with that type cool. of energy, I'm with the same energy cool. as Yagami Light, like, <laughs> that's, like, my favorite anime character, go ahead, Kenny.
2: Yeah, I was yeah. say... On that topic, like, I, in addition to Vegeta, something I tend to like, and I don't know when this happened, but I really enjoy like the the set, like the homie, the loyal homie, like the like Vegeta or like what I mean is like the the second the player two, I guess Luigi, yeah. Vegeta, Falco. Like in yeah. Smash, like I love, I've always loved Falco from Star Fox and everything, but um, Falco, Luigi, Vegeta, these like secondary characters, the the backup guys, like I, I I've. Over time, really, really liked them and started and like identified. Like I remember, even in melee. Once again, at the time, I didn't know what Fire Emblem was, but I gravitated towards towards Roy because Roy to me was like I don't know, like the the, the plucky young one, the the second the second guy, to the upstart. I was like, this guy's cool as shit, and then Roy sucks. And what do you know? What <laughs> <laughs> F, F's in the chat. But yeah,
1: basically like those characters stories, you attach your identity to those characters because of their stories, because of who they are. And in giving these cards, their own storylines, we attach our identities to them yep. and they become more part of us. I think it's just a really cool design choice from, I don't know much about the R and D at Konami and how they design the cards or the di- design process. I'd be super interested to learn more about that. If there's like comment sections, someone DM me on discord that I, I'd be yeah. interested to learn about that. But it, that's, a, that's a really smart choice, just in general.
0: Yeah, I think that's the reason why Yu Gi Oh! is so successful. And I'm not really sure how it goes now because I don't know if there's a current Yu Gi Oh! anime airing. Uh, but back when I was learning how to play Yu Gi Oh! and the reason why I even got into Yu Gi Oh! is really because of the TV show. Yep. Like, I think that that is such a big part. And you know, in the TV show, every person had their own deck, which again goes back to the overarching topic here about how people you know, you kind of pick a type or whatever, like some, you know, we have Weevil, he plays insects, you have Rex Raptor, he plays obviously dinosaurs, you have Kaibo who plays blue eyes and stuff like that, and he also does his XYZ stuff. It's uh, it Uh it, In real life, when I was a teenager, people at my local, my first local galaxy, they would be the same way. They would choose a type, an archetype or whatever, and they would play that exclusively. So no matter... What pack was coming out, no matter where the game was going as far as the meta, there was a period where people didn't care about the meta, and they would just play like, I am a Fiend player, so I only play Fiends. Yep. So every time a Fiend comes out, trade me to Fiend, I'll give you the Crystal Beast that just came out, I don't give a fuck about that, just give me the new Fiends out the set. There was this guy, we literally called him Zombie Reese, he's still kind of called Zombie Reese today, but like
2: yeah, I <laughs> he
0: only played Zombies, so every time Zombies came out, Ill Blood, Mizuki, everyone would just be like, here, like you can just... Sometimes people just be like, "You can just have this because it doesn't like it's not for me." Like, you're the zombie guy. We're we're a big group of like we're like a family, so we don't care. Like you can just have the ill blood. No, lo and behold, that car became a hundred dollars. But like he was given. And blood, just because, because he was the zombie guy. And then people were given, like, Crystal Beast cards. Like, I want to play Crystal Beast. Like, that's the deck that I, you know, I want to play. And that kind of thing was really cool. Yugi doesn't really have that anymore, I feel like. Because there's no real show uh, that people are watching, that kids are watching anyway. And then, on top of that, like, I think that the decks that come out now, they're usually mixed with so many different things that they kind of lose a bit of their identity anyway like PK Brave is like okay like it's <laughs> like this is two really powerful decks that definitely they have synergy but it's not it's not like you know there's, you're you're not one person there's also a
2: a new archetype every other month yes. so it's like and the new archetype it tries to power creep in some way so it's really hard to get attached to a single like if you try to play if you love Light Sworns, Like, even though new Lightsworn support came out, like, you can't play Lightsworns in modern Yu-Gi-Oh! It's not possible.
0: You literally cannot, yeah. But then, you have, like, I actually saw this today on Zodiac Duelist. Somebody posted, um, I think his name is Shannon Baxter, and he posted that it's been four years that he's been playing and topping events with mech knights and it's true he has been playing mech knights since it came out and he's been doing well going like undefeated at regionals i think he's topped some pretty big tournaments i don't want to throw out random accolades because i don't know exactly his record and stuff that he's done with it but i do know i've seen his name quite a few times in the top cut of actual tour like big tournaments and he's always playing mech knights every single time and it's been literally four years which is cool because he is the mech knight guy
2: that is cool uh
0: and unfortunately there is going to be a point in Yu-Gi-Oh! where he will not be able to play Mech Knights anymore, because it will just be literally impossible. Like, people had to let go of Gladbeast. There was a meme where every time a bandless came out for several years, everyone would be like, oh my god, Glad's Bad are playable. Yes. Gladbeast are back. Every, this went on for years. The, the format would change, a new bandless would come out, and everyone who loved Beast would be like, oh shit, Glad's are playable again. And everyone just wanted to relive that 2007-2008 period where <laughs> Glad's were the absolute best deck bar none. You were... You were lying to yourself. You thought that something was better than Gladbeast in oh seven and beginning of oh eight before Stardust came out. Uh, but people wanted to live yeah. that glory.
1: Honestly, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of chasing the dragon. It's a little bit of, uh, <laughs> you know, the identity thing, of course. And and Konami sometimes, you know, sometimes they deliver. Sometimes they give you a way to play your Dark Magician again by printing Red Eye Star Dragoon or whatever. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. It's that rare, cool. but you know, it does happen. It does mm. happen. I, I think that's kind of kind of neat. Gives people their their feeling of. Wanting to play the game again, but you did you did mention a new thing, which is like newer and younger players, which brings me to the whole Edison format uh,
2: oh, point. I think that... I think I know I think I know what you're going to say, and I agree. <laughs> me and Fraser were just yeah, talking you... about this. Go ahead, <laughs> tell me what you're going to say, and I agree. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, I just think that like I I I come from a big family, right? Yeah. I got six I got six nephews, and all the nephews they're at the same age that I was at when I started playing Yu Gi Oh when I was a kid. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, realistically, <laughs> I can't teach this kid. I, I can't sit here with this kid who's like part of my family, right? Like I care about him a lot. Yeah. I want to like teach teach him a game because it's a big part of my life, right? I don't want to share that with you. Yeah. I can't realistically sit here and teach him how to play 60 card Brave Eldritch, like, you, yeah. sword soul. You know what I mean? Like, it's he's imposs- just going to get fucking bored. Yo, it's yeah. impossible now. I, I don't know how a
0: new kid, and like Kenny said, he agrees with you before you even spoke, because we just talked about this. I don't know how kids get into Yu-Gi-Oh now,
2: because it's... Not even just kids, though. Anybody. with the amount of... T- people don't like reading. <laughs> people Like, just to put it... People don't like reading. It's not fun to do, especially if you're trying to learn how to play the game... And every single card. I think the biggest mistake you ever made is pendulums. They have two text boxes.
0: Yeah, and they're like
2: small. they have yeah, that was two a text boxes, my guy. Like it was so, so much of
0: a mistake that they completely overhauled the entire way that mechanic works.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. You no, know, they they understood almost immediately, but they it, it's kind of one of those mistakes where like you can't go back on it, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. And then like have,
1: they, sorry, the I extra
2: deck got. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're uh, but the extra deck, you know back Edison format, you know. If if you go as far as Edison format, you have fusion summoning and synchro summoning. That's it. And then ritual summoning but they're part of your main deck. Yeah. Uh but for the most part, the game like you can teach somebody the game Yu-Gi-Oh it's a slow enough game, but if you try to teach somebody 2022 Yu-Gi-Oh, there's fusion, ritual, synchro, exceed, link, and pendulum, more. And then there's all the other nonsense that every single little deck and the, each archetype does their own unique gameplay to do their own yeah. thing. Like you can't teach somebody modern Yu-Gi-Oh!
0: It's really hard, especially for a child. Like, I couldn't imagine trying to teach a kid, okay, this is a Link and this is a Ritual one. I know they look very similar, but they're not. And then this is a Synchro, and this is an Xyz. For this one, you need a Tuner. For this one, you need to put the monsters at the same level on top of each other. And then for these ones, you need to Fuse. And a way to Fuse, you need to play spell cards. But some of them can just contact Fuse with no spell card. And it's just like all of these yeah, little yeah, nuances yeah. that, you know, me, Kenny, and Keegan, we all know these things because we've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh! since fucking Inception. But if someone trying to learn all this at one time would be overwhelmed and likely just say, uh, eh, this is not for me.
2: Also, I don't know how you... I, I'm sure they still make starter decks, but I don't know how you make a current Yu-Gi-Oh! starter deck because back in the day, you make a starter deck, and yeah, the starter deck will suck, but you're still playing Yu-Gi-Oh! So like, if I have a starter deck and you're playing Gladiator Beast... I still know what you're doing. Like, yeah. to, we're still playing the same game. But I don't understand... How do you make a modern starter deck... The starter deck's not going to teach you When's a fucking turn part combo. It?
0: I don't even know I don't the know. last modern starter... I'm trying to think about what the... No matter what it is,
1: it can't teach you no, the, the combo. That came out was... You know? It was a Cyber Dragon starter deck. And the selling point was that if you bought three of them, you could play, like, a very bare-bones, like, Cyber Dragon Nova deck. See, it came with, like, yeah. Infinite infinite Impermanence and whatnot. Yeah. I think the the it's more it's more geared towards like a structure deck at that point where yeah. it's like this is the basics you need to be able to play the game if you buy 3 of these you're good to go yeah, whereas yeah. like starter decks like yugi kaiba stuff you can't buy them and then out of the box play against your friend like with the right. different character starter decks the the closest thing they have to that now is like the speed duel starter decks i think so are,
0: that's yeah. that's a good point is that starter decks don't really exist anymore i don't think that a kid uh. and his mom can go to like you know, two brothers living in the same household, they can't really go to Rite Aid or Walmart or wherever people buy Star Decks from nowadays. They can't just go and be like, hey, my kids want to play Yu-Gi-Oh! Here's a Yu-Gi-Oh! Here's a Kaiba. The boys will play and they'll have fun. They'll you know, they they won't know, they won't even play by the rules, but they'll just play based on what they yeah. saw in the show, because that's what I did. Yeah, uh, that doesn't really exist anymore. You kind of just have to I don't even know. I don't even know how, how a kid is started Yu-Gi-Oh! again. This is like my, my biggest question is like, what does a kid do? What does a 8 to 10 year old kid do to start playing Yu-Gi-Oh in 2022? Like how does that process begin?
1: Yeah, so there's there's like there's a couple different ways they're getting in new players now. It's mostly mobile focused, especially like in the yeah. pandemic when it's like harder to get people together. Yeah. Master Duel, Master Duel I think was a catastrophic failure at <laughs> <laughs> getting getting newer players into playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Because the crowd it was supposed to appeal to was the competitive crowd, and they switched off of it as soon as they realized it wasn't going to be the exact same as the TCG. Yep. And then, um, the casual crowd is just like, this is too much fucking shit. I want to deal with this. And so they had a yeah. huge drop-off in player base after the initial height. Unlike Duel Links, which I think Duel Links was a massive success at bringing in new players. I think there's one other way they could like bring in new players, and I think this is a Kind of a, kind of an interesting way, it's it's to grandfather in new generations of the game, where like the whales, the whales are now having kids, right? Yep. Us, our generation, we're now like parenting, we're now like entering our 30s, we're kind of just in that area where that's just what we're doing with our life, and we want to teach our kids, but we're obviously not going to be teaching our kids fucking, you know, like mech knights. Right. We're going to be teaching them, we're going to be teaching them like goat format, or Edison format, and I think they made a really good decision with the OTS Time Wizard stuff, where now any sort of Yu-Gi-Oh tournament can be hosted and it's official.
0: Yes. Like,
1: I think there's like a vision I have of the future and this is just maybe just like absolutely batshit insane and crazy, but I think it's good to dream big for Edison format and like goat format and stuff to be the premier ways we play Yu-Gi-Oh and the current format is kind of like an alternate format. It's kind of like how we would view traditional Yu-Gi-Oh or how we would view like other stuff. But like, the actual like glory days of Yu-Gi-Oh! or like the objectively like best formats are just the ones that the most people gravitate towards, the ones that are the easiest to teach. Like you can you can teach Edison format Yu-Gi-Oh! for generations to come and it's never gonna change. Kinda like how you could teach a kid chess in a sense, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, it's like chess but with like obviously alternate options and stuff. So you, we could honestly see a world where like there's YCSs that are goat format and Edison format, and then they'll just have like side events for current stuff, maybe regionals so for current that,
0: stuff. That is great. And that, that is a big dream. And I would love that. Uh, I, and the biggest hurdle from a business perspective is obviously they want to sell shit. So they would have to, I think, and I think this will work. They would have to reprint the cards from those formats, make us make an actual, you know, a box or um, a pack or a starter deck or whatever you want to call it. They need to make some kind of product that people can buy that has alternate artwork and alternate rarities of editing format cards, for example. So why stone a legend like ultimate rare? That's that does not exist. Right. So like something yep. like that, stuff like that, that make, will make people Phoenix, Wingwind wind blast and alternate art, that will look cool as hell. You see the Phoenix in a different way or um, you get Caius and like print him in a different rarity too. Cause you know, he's, he's in a bunch of different rarities, but like print him in another one, like he's played a lot. They, reprint him different artwork uh stuff like that I think would actually sell because collectors like shit like that anyway. So you'll ah. get like those packs will sell. Like there's a lot of cards in Edison format that are so niche. For example, I had to spend $40 a piece. I'll bring this up probably almost every podcast now that we talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! But I <laughs> just spent $40 a piece on Phoenician cluster emerales because that card has one printing. And that like that's it. You can only get this fucking card one way. I think it only comes first edition. It's from like Star Strike Blast or something like that. I forget I forget the set, but it's from one of those sets, a really old set. And they're like almost none online for a reasonable price. So they're all 40 bucks basically, which is crazy. But if they reprint that card and make it, you know, a different rarity or a different artwork or something, just make it accessible, right? Like that's cool. People will buy this pack. A lot of people want to play Edison format. It'll get people talking about like, holy shit, Konami's really supporting Edison. Why not buy it? Like once people see a pack, you know how, okay, yeah. you know how Magic the Gathering does M17, M16, M15 every year magic prints a pack that just has reprints of whatever they want to bring into the current format so if lightning bolt is not is currently banned and by banned i mean cycled out it's not part of the current cycle of cards they can just reprint it in m15 and now lightning bolt is part of the format and you can play lightning bolt you can play the artwork from when it first came out you could play a white border lightning bolt if you want to if you're a baller as fuck um that that's your prerogative but you can just play the reprint people like me who play magic the gathering in 2010 you can just play the reprint version of it which is super cheap and it also makes it where it's legal in the format because it got reprinted in the format and it's it's i know that concept to you get players might be a little weird the whole cycle out thing because they're not used they're used to a ban list but i've played multiple different card games at this point and so like i'm used to cycle out i'm used to both i just think it's really cool that like they can essentially they can even rewrite the older formats like they can say we're supporting Edison format. We're going to do Edison from it, but here's a new ban
1: list.
2: And we're banning Trap Dust Shoot.
0: We're banning Trap Dust Shoot. And we're banning. Yeah. And yeah. Be like, we're or banning they could tra-
1: introduce newer cards to it too. And I think they've tried something like this. They tried one or two things like this in the past, but the demand wasn't quite there for it just yet. Exactly. They but now
0: now because of people like you and i use my platform this fucking podcast we talk about edison a lot now especially in these last couple weeks we've been spamming it because i really do want people to pick it up and it's been picking up too i get a lot of messages talking about how hey man i love the podcast and i, I started playing edison with my friends and we love it i came back to Oh because of edison and it's really cool yep. like people haven't played Oh in years me included five years before i played Oh again and This format got me to play again. And I don't think that this will be the end of me playing. Like if Edison format, let's say years from now, it's like, okay, we're done with this format. I think I'll move to whatever people move to. Like I know people wanted to play 2014 nationals. Some people want to play 20, 2011 plants and stuff like that. And my whole thing is that's great. Those formats are great. However, I want to rally behind Edison right now, because if we can get a bunch of people to all have one common goal, then that's how you get things to actually happen. I don't want it to be fragmented.
2: If we spread too thin, then it'll kind of just fall apart. Then you go to a local and this guy's playing 2013 dragon rulers and this guy's playing, you know, whatever Yeah, firewall dragon.
0: Yeah. I'm always yeah. trying to tell people, yeah, exactly. like, let Edison.
2: Yeah. And I think it's
1: cool too, because like with, with Edison format and like unification and everything like Konami's noticed, like the OTS time wizard thing was because they noticed like yep. a lot of people were talking about like history of Yu-Gi-Oh! A lot of people were talking about like yep. old format stuff. The old format markets are like just crazy booming with like champion packs and stuff. And Konami realizes this. Their newest set is actually like, if you look at it, it's just like a bunch of Edison cards Yo, reprinted.
0: Every time I open this, because I've been winning the, I've been winning packs at locals, and when I open them, I'm like, why the fuck is there like Torrential and there's a Salt Beast and all these other like weird.
2: Yeah, I a Dasher.
0: Yeah, I got a Super weird Dasher. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. just some really weird cards that I'm pulling from these packs, and I didn't understand until recently like oh okay so they really are trying to like show their support but now i want them to go full force make an edison pack they make did go for a Go-format pack
1: they did they like literally did there's a pack the pack that just came out it's like a full-on like it's not a full-on reprint set but it's like pretty darn close to a full-on yeah. reprint set and it's like hidden arsenal one stuff uh cyber dragons in it book of moons in it, skill drain armory arm it's like all oh
0: edison. yeah that dual terminal reprint set thing
1: yeah yeah exactly that. and it's like Honestly, if you guys want to send a message to Konami, like buy a couple of those packs, send them a message with your wallet. Like that's, that's one of the biggest ways to show, like we're out here, like doing old format stuff. Yeah. We kind of want this to be something that we could do at a YCS level. Like, even if it's not the only way to play, Gi Oh, like, let's say there's like a, there's a bunch of different YCSs in a year, right? Like there's like seven or eight. Maybe there's a remote YCS for Tangu. Maybe there's like a, yeah, you know, there's a YCS huge. for Goat or something. Yeah, like it's just if it's if they notice that like the old format players, these are the players who like actually like want to play the game. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah I don't know. They don't could know definitely do this. a
0: remote. I will play. I, I am, I am. And this is crazy because I'm, I'm really against remote YCSs as far as playing them myself, but I would play a remote YCS for Edison format because that's how much I love the format right now.
2: Yeah, same. same. Something else they could do, and I think should do, which would be really cool, is on the note of starter decks, structure decks. If they release it, they're like, okay, this is Jeff Jones's deck from Shonen Jump Edison, and they've released that as a starter deck. Like, like the, they yeah. don't have to say it Jeff Jones if they don't want that. That deck is if,
0: simple enough to play too. So that would be cool.
2: They go, yeah. yeah. Here's here's the the deck that won Edison. Uh, here's a you know starter deck with all the cards in it. Here's a deck that got
0: second, which is Gadgets. <laughs> be yeah, like but the like fourth time they release Gadgets.
1: You
2: know what's crazy is,
1: like, Pokemon actually does that. Every year, they release the top four from the World Champions
2: as, like, a reprint deck. Yeah, I and think somebody—I don't remember who—I think somebody we had on here actually said that. I don't remember who, who it was, though. Yeah. And it's just a fucking—it's a fucking great
1: concept. It's great for getting people into the game because you're like, here, the cards aren't legal because they're, like, they're marked a certain way. They're, like, signed by the players or whatever, and, like, you can't you can't play with them in an official tournament. But you can like just practice with the best decks at that time period, and it's honestly like the demand for those decks are so high now because people want to play like the past format like Pokemon decks. So it has like it has like resale value in a way that like booster boxes almost don't have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I that wonder, sort of thing is really cool.
0: I wonder if the reason why Konami even decided to do that whole Time Wizard format thing, where you can play older formats and they officially support them at OTSs, is because. Maybe they are realizing how the fuck do we get kids to play this game without dumbing it down to a degree cuz like that is what the older formats are compared to 2022
1: Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, totally. They they have no new audience. I mean, they're they're pretty much going to milk their whales with like stuff like Master Duel and like a few more like really insane Starlight Pro- Pot of Prosperity kind of things until they can do that no longer, and yeah. then they're going to have to audible into something else or just come up with a new game.
0: Oh, I'm glad which, you brought up Master Duel, too, because I feel like Master Duel should be used for this type of thing as well. I think that would be really cool. If on Master Duel, there was a thing where you can just play different formats.
2: They, oh. they do need that, because there's so many people that get frustrated, and rightfully so, when you play Master Duel and somebody takes you know a 300-second turn because there's a timer, and mm-hmm. somebody takes you know a 300-second turn to set up a board and then... You know, you just kind of sit there, and then if you're trying to play. By the way, you mentioned Dark uh, Dark Magician and Blue Eyes earlier, Keegan. How they will always get support. Konami supports those cards forever. Something that's so sad to me, though, is on Master Duel, there's a feature where you can spectate duels. Every day, I spectate one duel because like you get like a reward for it, and eighty percent of the time, one of the players is Dark Magician or Blue Eyes. <laughs> they have yet, still, they have not won. I have never ever seen a dark magician deck or a blue eyes deck win <laughs> in Master so Duel? That's so like, brutal that's like they've never ever won and i feel that's so bad so for. Them. i feel yeah. so bad for them
1: honestly and that's another thing too because master Duel's is like so fucking behind the tcg if they even print new support for dark magician like uh, what is the card called something illusion of chaos? chaos yeah illusion of chaos like that's not even going to be in master Duel for like another year if they yeah. go at the pace that they're going now so it's just kind of like Come on, like, give us the Dark Magician support that you guys are printing in, in current, and so people can actually play the Dark Magician. Like, I- everybody
2: wants to play it. It's the most popular deck on the platform Dark Magician of Blue Eyes. Like, they're the most it's popular like- decks, and they don't win, like, ever. Yeah, yeah make I, them broken or something like that. If
0: they know. want me to play Master all they got to do is say, We're introducing Time Wizard formats to Master and I will download the program immediately on all my devices, and I will make an account, and I will pull up my wallet. That's all. Dang. It will literally be that quick. They could do it tomorrow. They could literally say on Thursday, "Hey guys, we are now supporting Edison and Go format on Master Duel. Check it out. Uh, you know, the game will automatically let you know what cards are legal, so you won't be able to add cards that are not from those formats to your deck." And look, I, w- I will fucking go up for that immediately. I probably will become a streamer.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would shell for that. I would shell. I'd max rarity my Edison. I'd get all the prismaticy, starlighty mm-hmm. kind of
0: things. That'd be really fun. Yeah, uh, I guess I want to take but it. On- go ahead.
1: No, you go. you go. You're good.
0: Uh, I was going to say, I did want to ask you, like, go back, 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 because we've been talking so much about Edison format and all the things you've done for Edison format. But I do want to know a bit about you, like, as a player. Like, how did, like, I know how you got started and everything like that. But, um, like, what, what is your, is Edison your favorite format of all time? Like, is that peak Yu-Gi-Oh for you? Is, like, what's your favorite deck? Like, what's your favorite stuff in Yu-Gi-Oh? Oh, well,
1: the first Shonen Jump I entered was actually Shonen Jump Vegas in 2005. It was GOAT format. And me and my cousin entered, like I said earlier, we played Yu-Go together. It was kind of like our thing growing up, and And it was it was a lot of fun.
0: Holy hell! How old how old how old were you?
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm 29 years old, so I I, would have been about I would have been about what is that? 13, 14, right around there. Yeah,
0: yeah, like an actual child.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, we were we were competitive. Like, yeah, yeah. Kids, thirteen-year-olds
0: can fuck you up, you Oh. I've been fucked about. That's what I'm saying.
1: So I'm saying. What's what's his name? Dueling Book Grinders, like 17 or something. Okay. Like th- these kids are cracked, no cap. But yeah. uh yeah, uh yeah, so we started playing. That was my first premiere event. I took a little bit of a break when I entered high school, but then in high school it started booming again. And that was right around the Lightsworn era, like 09. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that was like towards the end of my high school experience. But then I was like starting to get money because I had my first job when I was in high school, and I was yeah. like, okay. Huh. Okay. Maybe I can uh, actually afford to play some of these really cool decks. And I started looking into it, and like right as I started looking into it, it was like Sean Jump Edison ha- happened. Jeff Jones won, and I was like, I got to build that quick draw deck. It looks so cool. Yeah. I didn't even understand it. I remember reading Honest for the first time and just being like,
2: This is insane. Like this card is crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Honest is uh, one of my favorite cards. Honest is the sole reason why I like to play Lightswords. Like I enjoy <laughs> just because Lightsword <laughs> supports Honest. Like Lightswords are cool. But holy fuck, having an honest in your hand feels so good.
1: There's really no feeling You're like that. So it. It's just like it's just like come at me, bro. Like what are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean, I, I got back into it like pretty full force. I started competing. I went to my first year at university, and I actually had a lot of trouble uh, making friends at university because I I entered university when I was a little bit younger. I was 17 at my first year. Same. And a lot of the kids who were like going out and stuff. I mean they were doing a bunch of stuff and I was still kind of a kid at heart. Yeah. You know,
2: same. yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm about the same age as you. I'm a little older and I'm still a fucking kid. Yeah.
0: yeah. Me for the most part too. I mean, we have a podcast just talking about nerd shit. So there you go.
2: Yeah.
1: And so I, I linked up with some dudes on POJO in the city I had moved to for college. I moved to Portland, Oregon and I was like, yo, um, you guys just want to link up. There's a bookstore there called Powell's. I was like, do you guys just want to like link up and play some games? And so we played some games and they were a lot better than me, which is surprising because I was like, I was decent at the game, but they were like really good. Yeah. And we played like, we played money matches like every week or so. Where are you from? Um, I'm from Las Vegas. I actually live oh, in Las Vegas right now. Oh, you are from
0: Vegas. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Vegas is a, it's a city of gaming for sure. I grew up playing card games. <laughs> like yeah, that's all
0: making sense because you are fucking enthusiastic as hell. So that makes yeah. sense. You are... You are a game junkie, and I, I love
1: that for you. Thanks, my guy. Thanks. Yeah. No, gaming is my life, dude. It's like the there's two things in my life that I've been doing my whole life. One of them's gaming, and one of them's music, and that's it. That's okay. all I know. I fuck that's with pretty that. much all I know. But yeah, so started linking with these guys. Then I went to a couple regionals. I ended up topping one of the regionals. This was uh, still an Edison format. It was like this. Oh, I wasn't still an Edison format. I topped one regional before. Um, uh, before i left for the university yeah and then i t- i topped another regional later on with the same deck i had topped before so i topped one regional in edison format with dragons and i was like this deck is insane because everyone was kind of sleeping on it because red eyes wyvern and like red eyes darkness metal were kind of rare at the time yeah they were you couldn't really get him that easily he was in a magazine and-
0: right wasn't he in the shonen jump magazine or something Where yeah, metal?
1: I yeah.
2: they still do that
1: actually i think he might have been reprinted like right then i don't remember if he was reprinted right before i got him or right after i got him yeah he wasn't easy at to the get, time though, at first yeah, a lot of people were sleeping on him at first, and that's why I think it was easy to top the regionals, because you could just it was like, fucking, people didn't know what was up. People yeah. didn't know you could do that kind of broken stuff. Yeah. And then, the second time I played with the deck, I think it was in 2011 or 2012, it was in like one of the tangu formats. And I was, playing, I was playing the deck with Safe Zone. So I would just put the Drago into play, and I would Safe Zone, the Drago, <laughs> and like agents, like, they couldn't make librarian, they couldn't make formula, they couldn't make like you could, they couldn't do anything. Yeah, like most decks play couldn't play do game. anything. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, and that was like, that was fun for me. I think that was a fun part of my life. That was kind of like my childhood into adulthood moment of my life. I was like traveling for tournaments for the first time. I was like meeting people and like just uh, having a really good social experience. I think.
0: Yeah. I think that's the a time. big part of why we love Yu-Gi-Oh! Too is I met so many friends. I met Kenny that way uh, at a at, at a local that became like my new local home when my original one shut down. Uh, We all migrated to this place called Red Caps Corner, and that's where Kenny and I met. And then all of my friends, like I met McCabe at JMC Collectibles, and we're still lifelong friends. And I met Silverman uh, at Ultimate Universes, and we're lifelong friends. And so I have a a ton of friends uh, who I only know because of Yu-Gi-Oh!, because of Locals bringing us together. And we're still now in our later years, we're still close. And it's crazy. It's been almost two decades of us just being cool with each other. And it's because of Yu-Gi-Oh, like Yu-Gi-Oh, the social aspect of it, going out to eat with your friends, talking shit, talking about how you did the tournament, things you want to change, your losses. Those things are so fun with your friends when you have a big group and everybody's just telling stories, uh, savage things that have happened and all kinds of craziness. You know, you know how it is. Like you live in Vegas, so you know how it is. It's it's great. It's just a yeah. fucking great feeling.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a quote from a movie. Have you guys seen The Matrix Reloaded?
0: I unfortunately have.
1: The second one, right? Second or third? Yeah, I think. I don't know. Oh, wait, no, I don't know. It was
0: the second one. I like the second one. It's the fourth one. I don't know why I immediately thought you were talking about Resurrections.
2: Yeah, I've, seen, I've, I've seen the original one. one.
0: Yeah, I've seen the, the first three, and I love the first three. I've, I've seen all four of them. Unfortunately, the last one is god awful. But you're talking about the I second one, and I like that one.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's the second one. There's a character named Seraph, and Seraph says to Neo, and they first meet he's like before i can take you to the oracle we have to fight yep and then he's like you never really know someone until you fight them and i feel like the same <laughs> is kind of true with like Yu-Gi-Oh. like you never really know someone until you duel yep. against them I, it's like, that's why i hate mccabe that's that's, that's why i hate <laughs> fraser that's why I, that's why I hate the fraser.
0: circle of hate look at that
1: like i mean I, you uh, guys hate no. each other but you also respect each other yeah you know? you guys, yeah, yeah let's call it that
2: i hate it's like a I can say that I hate him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, geez, relax. Listen, this is supposed to be touching. I've, yeah, told, the, I've told the story
2: on the podcast before, but I will never forget when I played the one time I almost beat him in a tournament. I was playing <laughs> Frazier. And, you know, since, I, since I've since i known him, like when I when I met Frazier, he was just a guy that played Yu-Gi-Oh. He wasn't a YCS champion. Yeah, yet,
0: I, I didn't win but, until later in the year I met you. So you might be a good luck charm, but go on.
2: But you were still one of the best players in our area. Yeah, And so we played... And I remember, like, the first time I played you, you know, you were all, like, giggly or whatever, and just, like, I just lost, like, almost every game, and you were just having a good time. But Mm -hmm. then we played in tournament, and I almost beat him. He was playing, like, some Twilight Lightsworn deck, and he almost decked out, and I was, like, looking at everything, and I was, like, I think I got him. Like, he's going to deck out. Like, I'm going to just end my turn, and he's lost. And he spent like 10 minutes on his turn thinking. And I don't remember the play, but the play results in him doing some kind of Plague Spreader thing to put a card back on top of his deck so that he can end his turn. And, and I got rid
0: of all of my monsters that mill too.
2: Yeah. And then... uh and then, yeah, I don't remember what happened, but he ends up doing place rider to not deck out and then killing me on the next turn. And then he looked at me and he was like, did you really think I was going to let you win by deck out? <laughs> like, something, something fucking cocky. Like, he was like, did you really think I was going to let you win like that or something? Yo, and I was, was like, such
0: a video. I was such an anime character in real life. Like, I felt, especially back then when I'm, you know, this is over 10 years ago now, because Kenny and I have known each other for 12 years. And I was such a into all, you know how they just talk shit in the show? <laughs> Say goodbye to Exodia yeah, and totally. all the rare hunters and all that Arcana. Like talk like Kaiba. The things that Kaiba would say to people. I was so big into the t- the shit talk aspect of Yu Gi like,
2: Oh. Like remember characters' eyes and don't let them don't yes. let him tell you otherwise. Yes,
0: <laughs> all and it's all in good fun. Like obviously you know Kenny was my friend, but when we when we sat across from each other in tournament, he was not my friend anymore. And that's right. and that's, that's how right. it's all. That's always how it is with me. Like once once we sit across from each other in this tournament,
2: it's uh, we, all that's we, we have another really close friend named Cairo. I remember they. One day, I was at Frazier's house because he <laughs> he lived together with another one of our friends, right? And so I'm hanging out with our other friend at the house playing Smash. They come home and Cairo is pissed, and he's like he's like saying all these mean things, and Frazier's just like laughing. And basically, the story is they played in tournament, and Frazier beat him by timeout. I don't remember the ex- the exact play, oh, but he beats That's him by cool. timeout. And Fra- and Cairo's like, I can't believe you would do that to me. Like we're supposed to be friends, and Frazier was like, we were playing in a tournament, Cairo. Like what do you?
0: And then when like, I said to him, that you, really made him pissed. You are the villain, lawful yo, evil. <laughs> I I you know, I yeah, used to be such a villain. He was like, I thought we were friends. And I was like, why did you think that? And he <laughs> fucking stormed out of locals. And as soon as he slammed the door, I started laughing. They were like, yo, what, what happened? I'm like, he's mad because he got decked out or timed out or whatever. Like, basically, he had a full field. And I I forget how. I think I was playing something with Wabaku or something like that. And like time, time was called like Ferris Square. Time is called and he could not win but i guess he wanted to like the game to go on longer he wanted me to like draw in my turn immediately so he could attack me for game or some shit and he was just pissed he fucking slammed the door he left out and to this day that's one of the funny stories because he's the kind of guy who never gets angry like we never see him angry he (laughs) never ever ever gets angry he's always so happy-go-lucky so jolly (laughs) So fucking, he's such a troll. Like he's a trolly guy, but that day I brought the real version of him out. All of that trolly bullshit went out the door where he got, he was pissed. He's like, I thought we were friends. I was like, what made you think that? And he lost it. And then everybody, was, I was like, he'll be fine. Yes. I was like, it's
1: fine there's something about time rules that brings out the worst oh the new
0: know, ones so are worst. terrible the new ones are even more cutthroat. like at least back then cairo had four turns he got zero one two three right because that's how it worked back then it, it like this is we're talking yeah. about 2000 i think this was like 2011 um yeah. so so back then turns were zero one two three and it's it had down.
2: to be had to be later than that but yeah around that time yeah you yeah. looked at medina at the time but yeah
0: okay Alright, so yeah, it, it was, whatever whatever format it was, it was long before the current shit where, you know, it's just, that's the end of the game, like, finish yep. out your phase and that's it. So he had, it's not like he, it's not like time was called and they were like, well, whoever's life points is higher wins or something like that. Like, no, like, we both had time, then zero, one, two, three, and he lost, and he was just pissed at
2: you know? it. He was so mad.
0: He was furious. Because he was going to win the game. Man. Like, that part is undeniable. His field was developing in such a way, and I was just setting monsters. I was just like,
2: well,
1: all I can do is set. <laughs>
2: But yeah, all that to say, you are correct, Keegan. With that quote, I agree.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't really know someone until you fight them, and and it's a cool way to connect with people. I think <laughs> it it's a way that we we don't really get to connect in like you know modern civilization where we're not going around like hitting each other with sticks. You yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got you got to find a new way to compete with other people, and I think this is a more healthy way to do it and yeah. get to know you know your your fellow peoples, your fellow I wanna,
2: homies and stuff. I want to say, and you know, um. I don't know how much longer you guys want to go but I, before this gets can I want to bring this up cuz I really want to bring In a lot of your videos you talk about Smash. I hear you mentioned Smash. Mm. Before we got before we got started today you mentioned slime and Ludwig. So, uh I can tell you're obviously a really big Smash fan. So I wanted to ask um around when did you get in the melee cuz I've been in the melee for a super long time. And there's no way you would know this but um my cousin who we were talking about earlier who's Frazier's teaching Yu-Gi-Oh, uh his name's Stango. He was ranked at one, not not currently But he was ranked 35th in the world in Melee power rankings. Um, Small
1: world. Yeah, I know who he is. I know who he is. I don't know him personally, but I definitely know who he is. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: you know, if you you ever want to, you know, play on some Dolphin net play, I'll play. I can probably get Stango to play, like, it would be, you know, a good time. But I wanted to ask you about Melee and what, you know, um, just your interest Uh, in that and shit.
1: Yeah, I started playing Melee when I was, uh, when it came out, actually. 2001. Uh, My cousin, same cousin. Yeah, same cousin who I played Yu-Gi-Oh! with. We played melee on he had a gamecube and we played and i played captain falcon and he played Sheik, and that's Ooh. who we still played it you yet. guys
2: were playing real characters yeah that's how you we guys were, yeah. you guys <laughs>
1: materialist
0: immediately you guys like i said tier we were, we were gamers
1: clearly yeah i i mean that shit's fun and then uh we learned how to l cancel when that whole like you know Wamo yeah, combo stuff was going around online exactly yep. exactly so pre-doc pre-doc pretty much i'm a big yes. fan of the game follow it a lot I still play it every once in a while. I have a CRT set up in my house. Unfortunately, my current computer, my rig—if you guys couldn't tell from my videos—it's like okay. So here, here's something about my my computer setup. It's like very bare bones right now. I can't actually run uh, melee stuff through my computer very effectively. I should say uh, it, it, it it it's caused some issues.
2: Yeah, you, you know you, you're I'm, on a you're on a budget right now budget budget. Completed. Yeah, I'm a, I'm on a budget.
1: Hopefully, looking to fix that real soon. Actually, with that, <laughs> with some new some new things, some new things in the work. Uh, probably going to be getting a new PC very soon. So I would definitely be down to get on some some net play and whatnot. I yeah. play a little bit of P plus with some of my friends now. P plus is sick. a little bit more than melee. I'd say as of right now. P-plus,
2: that's really fun. I mean, P-plus is fun because it's like, I love the, in terms of the Smash games, Melee is my favorite in terms of the way the game feels, but it has the problem that it doesn't have the roster of Brawl or 4 or Ultimate. And things like P-plus allow you to play a Melee-like game, but with fucking Wario and all these other characters.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good time. I think Smash, there's a lot of stuff. I, and I've said this in a bunch of my videos, but if you if you play another game... There is so much you can take from that game and straight up import it into Yu-Gi-Oh! And, like, import it into your playstyle there as well. Like, for example, like, uh, there's there's a combo in Super Smash Bros. Melee for the listeners who are unfamiliar, where if you down-air with Captain Falcon, it sets up for his forwarder. So it's called Stomp Knee. It's like, yeah, it's a pretty standard combo. There's a lot of Stomp Knee setups in Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> where you're just like, this is the one-two punch. Like, I'm gonna do this it sets me up perfectly to do this next turn and that's that's pretty much it so i mean there's there's a lot of different like things you can think about in that and i think there's cool things like in melee one thing that i've carried over from Oh is like time there's certain situations in melee where you you do have to back off because you don't have the time to guarantee a follow-up i think that that's something that i learned from playing Oh. so yeah. just round rounding out your options you know rounding out yourself as a person playing a bunch of different games you, you can learn a lot of cool skills and techniques and tactics and stuff and just carry it between games and stuff i i'd recommend it to anybody honestly
0: yeah uh yeah and also that's melee but i actually had this written down for a while because i noticed your language you use the word tutor and sorcery speed really early in this podcast and those words immediately made me think of magic so I know that at some point in the uh, life yes. you were a magic player because those words come straight from it. So what, so, what was your magic life like? When did that start?
1: So I, I ended up I ended up quitting Yu-Gi-Oh! Same. actually in in about uh, I think it was either 2012 or early 2013. I think it was with the, the macro rabbit format.
0: That's yep, twenty twelve is for sure macro rabbit.
1: I wind up hand loop and macro rabbit and you were like, I, I, have, s- I don't have time for this shoe. And that's 2013, yeah, I was like yep. I, I See, I'm I'm a competitive guy, right? Yep. I like playing games where me being there matters.
0: Clearly, you know I medicine mean? <laughs> format. You're the you know progenitor of that yeah. shit. So
1: yeah, I don't want to fucking roll dice. You know, I mean, I'm down <laughs> to roll dice, but like, I don't want to do that. Like,
0: <laughs>
1: competitive. Like, I am like, from
0: Vegas. Like, don't get me
1: wrong. <laughs> yeah, you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I want to have some some amount of myself. Yeah, you know, playing the game. But yeah, um, I met this girl in university, and she was actually, uh. She was there cuz her dad um he played Magic the Gathering and he like was able to help her go to college by selling off like his power nine which I thought was insane and I was Holy just like I remember shit. hearing that. Yeah, I remember hearing that from her and she was like, "Yeah, we should start playing Magic together." We ended up getting together together for a really long time and we would like go to Magic tournaments, we would do whatever. Like we played Magic together at home and I learned a lot from her. She was really good. She would actually uh she would actually like beat me at, at like Magic, at like Yu-Gi-Oh, at like all these games like all the time. So <laughs> It's just kind of wild to think about in <laughs> hindsight, because she never really like even competed. Really, she just played for fun with me at home, and I was the one who was like entering the tournaments. But she was like beating me every single time. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ! Like, <laughs> yeah, like,
2: what the fuck is going on? I know, right? But yeah, it I don't always feels Magic, the worst then. when like you play a game for real, and then you play against somebody who doesn't really play it like that, and like you're like, why am I losing? What is it? right? Exactly, exactly.
1: And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh I learned a lot from from that experience, and I and Obviously, I went to a bunch of magic tournaments. I had a few like minor successes. I was in a Star City Games team event where I did really well. I think I was like seven and one or eight and oh. The rest of my team kind of fell apart. <laughs> and then I played in a couple GPs where I barely missed day two. One thing I really didn't like about magic that I think it's the reason I came back to Yu-Gi-Oh and I was like, this is the game for me is I felt like with Yu-Gi-Oh, I felt like no matter what I could always play the game with magic. I felt like there was a certain number of games where it was just like, I just didn't draw Lance. Yep. I was just like, fuck this game. It's, yeah,
0: I complain about it all the time. I think it's the problem with magic. I think that makes that game so fucking bad. No matter how, you know, I think that most people stick by it is because they've just been playing it forever the same way we've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh forever. So no matter how bad it gets, they will always stick by their precious game. But that game is flawed in a way that, is so easy to correct that it frustrates me. The idea of land as a resource itself, specific cards that you have to draw, titled land, bothers me to no end. And the reason why it bothers me so much is because card games have come out after Magic that have just corrected it like Duel Masters and Hearthstone. Like, it triggers me so bad they can just correct the system and they just choose not to.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I get it, right? You know, I get it. Don't want to offend the loyal fans and whatnot, but... I do. Fuck you yeah yeah fuck them right <laughs> uh, but but in reality like taking this podcast uh, even, to the next level and if you look at things like from a statistical level like if you look at top top players and i'm talking like the best of the best like the owen turnwalls the john finkels the like you know the paulo Vito, you, you get where, you LSV. what? you let yeah their win percentages at like even at a pro level are never breaking like 65 yeah which is like embarrassingly low yeah like you're you're fighting for these like Very small margins of a percentage because a large percentage of the games you're losing to your deck just falling apart, like not having lands. Yeah. So, so I'm just like, so man, it's the worst way to go. Frustrating, exactly. And it could happen to anyone. It doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah. Doesn't matter how well you built your deck. Doesn't matter how well you played rounds one and two. If your luck hits you, then you're out of the tournament. And that that happened to me at a couple tournaments. A few other like instances where like I used to play control decks in magic and I've had instances where people will get upset and stall me and I'll just end up in the draw bracket early in the tournament and just drop. Uh, and yeah. yeah, see, and and this is, this is going to be a segue. And, and this is where I, I think I might actually need to head out for the rest. So yeah, I, th- I think we'll gonna... close off the yep, podcast yep. with this, but time rules, fuck time rules. I love double elimination. I don't love Swiss because of the fucking time rules. I think if you're slow playing, you're not playing at a reasonable pace should be disqualified from the tournament immediately and i think (laughs) jesus no this this is this kind of like extreme measures but it's just like play at a reasonable pace, you know what I mean? Yeah. You get you get one warning, and then it's a DQ, match loss and DQ, and then just play double elimination tournaments. So the is just run. And I love their double elim.
0: Yeah, I like the double elimination idea. I, I do want to say this. You, I completely forgot about it, and I'm so glad you brought this up about that last tournament that you hosted. Dear God, I loved everything about it except one round. Okay, there was one round where there was a frog deck on screen, and I wanted to claw my fucking eyes out. That. Yeah. So yeah, I don't that was know. Brutal. I don't know what you've done. to to change it for the because you have a tournament coming up march twenty sixth, right
1: yeah yeah so that, i was going to talk about that yeah so um
0: i hope that you fix that because that should not be allowed
1: again like that is not okay well some developments some developments right we are gonna um we're gonna talk about me and the other two head judges we're we're still talking about the time rules i can't really say anything super yeah, yeah, yet yeah as of right now what we've been doing is just if you're slow playing we give you a warning and then if you continue to slow play we just dq you so and as long as you're playing tricky, at a reasonable pace...
0: Because his deck, he is doing something, like, technically. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. So this is, this is kind of something we've needed to talk about, because there are ways you can kind of go infinite in Edison format, yeah. like that deck does, and you can be forced into these situations where it's just going to, like, drain time on rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So that's the problem we're we're kind of facing, and we're definitely going to come up with a solution to that because there are some pretty major developments. I mean, I just got an email in the middle of this podcast that uh we're we're going to have a sponsor for the next event, and nice. the prize pool is going to be the prize pool is going to be really fucking big. So it's likely cool. going to end up end up being a two day tournament. We're wow. probably going to have to be March twenty sixth and March twenty seventh. Yeah, and that might mitigate some of the like slower parts of the tournament. I mean, if we're able to do like top sixteen on the next day or whatever it is. <laughs> It might not matter so much if one of the rounds runs just a tiny bit longer or not. Yeah. And this is this is the first tournament where someone's brought a deck like that and we've had that problem where they haven't been slow playing and they've actually made it that far into the tournament and caused a problem at that late in a round. Like, yeah. That's the first time that this has happened, and it might just be a corner case thing, and we might need to handle it as a case-by-case thing. We're not really sure exactly how we're going to approach it yet, but there is a solution in the works. I promise. Yeah, because
0: that, everything else was fine, and I saw that, and I I wanted to turn the stream off, but I was like, I've been having so much fun watching this. I mean, you started off with Dale Bolito immediately playing with, you know. yeah. And I, so I was yeah, really happy to watch. And then I got to that point, And this was late in the day. Like I've already at this point, I think that was like round seven or eight or some shit. It was late. And uh, when I happened, I was like, why is this going on for an hour? Like, why am I watching this frog player literally do this shit for over a half hour, just as one turn? And then the whole thing, the whole duel taken like it was just ridiculous. I was like,
1: oh, my God. A large part of it, too, is that in that specific circumstance, he actually he actually made an illegal move in his combo. So he had to go back and like redo oh, okay. all of it. Nice. And then on top of that, because he made that illegal move, his opponent, rightfully speaking, was like, yeah, I'm going to make you play out the entire combo because you made an illegal move. And now I need to make sure you're not going to make more. You <laughs> not like trust him to like, yeah, actually no, that's demonstrate true. an infinite. If you
0: burn me once, even if you're like, oh, OK, 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 I, I get it now. I know how to do it. I can guide yeah. with your whole hand. I'm like, show me because yeah, yep. you already exactly. fucked up once. So now I need you to show me. So I, I get it. Uh But yeah, yeah, I mean, we can wrap up there. Like, I'm glad that you're having another tournament. I want to enter it so bad. There's only one little conflict that I'm having, and that's because Philly is getting its first in real life regional back March 26th. And... I, it's the same date. I know oh. it fucking sucks, and it's capped at eight hundred players. I don't know if you know about Philly, but we get some of the biggest regionals in the country. So Vax. Vax. it's going to be that eight hundred person cap. They're gonna blast past that. There's gonna be more than eight hundred people that show up for sure. So they're gonna to get to the eight hundred people because people want to play Yu Gi Oh really fucking bad, especially in person. And now that a lot of the stuff is lifted, like the mass mandate, you know, all of the vaccine mandates and stuff like that. A lot of that stuff is lifted now, so people can pretty much, you know, knock on wood, go back to just playing Yu Gi Oh in real life and that tournament is going to be huge i want to go because i just want to see i don't, I don't play i don't play monitor but i want to go because i want to see everybody that i haven't seen in literally two years in a setting that i love so what i might do and i've been thinking about this is i might take my laptop to the event and then buy wi-fi or whatever i have to do to get wi-fi there and just play the rbet tournament at the event
1: um That'd be that, fucking nuts
0: yeah I really, really wa- I really i really want to play like i really really want to play i've been playing so much edison i feel like it only makes sense that i would actually put that to use and like you know in a real field so
2: uh once again just so people know where just say the date again it's an edison oh, yeah. format tournament but also where can people sign up
1: yeah you sign up in the format library discord there's a link to that discord in every single one of my youtube video descriptions I can provide you guys with the link to that if you want to share it. To so other people. I'm going
0: to I'm going to put your YouTube a link to your YouTube channel in the description of this podcast episode uh, so people okay. can find you there because I did the same thing for like Joji Orlando. He has his history of Yu-Gi-Oh thing. So I put the link to his channel there. Uh, so when people listen to the podcast, they can literally click on that as well.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's there's one last thing I was going to ask you, Kenny, specifically. What's I up? know, Frazier. You are going to the tournament. You're gonna try to get some hotspot Wi-Fi yeah, to I'm play in to the event. I'm
0: gonna try to finesse it. If
1: you can, if you could make it work, that'd be wild. Yeah. But Kenny, are you doing anything on the 26th and the 27th of
2: of m- w- March? March, right? So this month. Let me yes. look real quick. 26th is a Saturday. 27th is a Sunday. Uh, ah, yeah. I don't at the moment have anything planned. No, at the moment I don't have anything planned. The only thing I could be doing is on the twenty second. Capcom is having a twenty minute Monster Hunter showcase. <laughs> if they say, if they say Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak comes out on the twenty sixth, then yes, I'm doing something. <laughs> I'm playing Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. Oh, oh, I get you, but, oh, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's not
0: happening.
1: We might I, um, get a demo. Need, we might get a demo. Do you need a But I'll be available. I do need a second commentator. For the event so i'll jump on, you commentary. Want to hop on commentary yeah does that sound like fun? yes get some yeah, jump, podcast on.
0: representation on that fucking commentary kenny that's I'll what i'm on
2: commentary for say. sure yeah that sounds high. Yeah, just awesome uh we have each other on discord just let me know um you know we'll iron out the details let me know what time like what blocks or what times you want me on wherever and,
1: yeah we'll, we'll figure it out off air there we'll figure it out but uh
2: 100 if you yeah. need if you want somebody to commentate um saturday that's saturday and sunday at the moment i don't have anything planned and so i can set that plan in the motion so and if something comes up, I can say I'm already doing something.
1: Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Anyway, so yeah, thanks for having me
2: on, guys. Me this in. was an absolute blast. Yeah, this, this is Elliot really fun, fun actually.
0: And w- I mean, we hope to have you on again at yeah. some point down the road. Like, you're pretty easy to talk to, so.
1: Yeah, I'm down for whatever. I mean, this is this is a blast. I, I could talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! all day, dude. Honestly, same. yeah. Same, Elliot. Same Elliot. Uh, and
2: also, I say this all the time. I'd love to, you know, I say this to almost all the guests. I'd love to have you back because I know you have interest outside of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like Melee or, you know, however many other things, whatever anime or movies you like. And we could talk about fucking any of that. It's just a nerd podcast, so. Hell yeah. Sign me up.
0: Before we go. Thanks, guys. All right. See you, Keegan. Peace, peace. All right. Before we go, guys, as always, I want to give a shout out to our patrons over at Patreon. Uh, so we have Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Garen, Hylian, TCG Automotive, Silver Chronic, Tyree Tinsley, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Bursette, Vinny Casello, Dominic Roberts, Game Freak Yoshi, Alex Flamer, Gay Marini, Honorary Reynolds, CJ, WKDad1, Saul at Dabra's Gaming Cafe in Georgia, Dan Vrabel, Joseph Marcello, and Scott Page. Thank you guys so much for being patrons. We really appreciate it. it. goes a long way. And as I always say, do the things that make you happy. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode.
2: Hell yes. So long, Gay Bowser. So long. <phone rings>